looking at a remarkable idea. An idea that has intrigued and attracted and literally thrilled thousands upon thousands of men, women, and children. And you, my friends, are about to witness this idea become a reality. For this is the story of the miracle sea in the desert. Welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I am a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where you don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now on the TuneIn app. Search End of Days. And, of course, you can catch the podcast rendition of this program by going to michaeldeacon.com. Joining me tonight on this very, very special edition of the program is Brooks Agnew. He is a engineer and a six-time Amazon best-selling author, widely featured in numerous scientific documentaries. He is an internationally acclaimed lecturer on energy, manufacturing, and quality improvement. He has been the host of X Squared Radio for 13 years and currently serves as the CEO of an electric truck company. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Greetings to those on the tune-in radio app, those of you driving around listening in, and of course those on YouTube, here we are again, like a big happy dysfunctional family. I hope you're safe out there wherever you are. Tonight will be an incredible program. Brooks Agnew returns here live and direct. Speaking of which, let's get right to it. Brooks, are you there? So, I am here. Amazing. Now, of course, there is another individual on the line by the name of Paul. Are you there, Paul? I am here, man. Oh, I'm so glad to hear your voice again, too. It's like old times, right? Totally. It's wonderful. Incredible, it. incredible. And, of course, you are an author yourself, and I invited you to be here to join in on this open discussion. We will be talking about the Clinton Crime Syndicate. And, Brooks, once again, thank you so much for being a part of the program. It's so good to talk to you again. You were here very early on, uh, on the program, very, the, the very early edition of the program. So much has changed since you've been here. Well, my pleasure. I mean, hopefully it's getting better and better. 
and uh, we're reaching a bigger audience and uh this is it's all good stuff so how 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 are you brooks how was your thanksgiving and all that jazz well i overate did you i did a couple of times and and now i'm kind of uh um i guess in a kind of emotional diet until christmas but it's probably not going to be successful either right on right on uh, what about you paul everything good yeah man my uh, Thanksgiving was pretty radical, so I've been on the uh, carnivore diet for like the last uh, month or so, and so like Thanksgiving came up, and it's like, well, what the fuck am I going to do? Because there's all this other shit that you're supposed to eat, and you know, for the first time in a long time, my wife and I said, you know, fuck this, we're not going to, we're not going to cook anything, and we just went out to eat to this restaurant. Um in the area here in Houston, there where they have a big buffet with like Tex-Mex and, and, uh, you know, there's like a Tex-Mex bar and a turkey bar and, and a Bloody Mary bar and all this stuff. So Those I just completely times. indulged. Understood. You know, total indulgence. Amazing. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. And of course, Brooks, again, thank you so much for being a part of the program. We have so much to discuss here. And of course, we will be taking a look at your book. And dive into all sorts of topics and of course all the things happening around the world. It's an incredible time, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I can resonate with that. You know, I'll have the turkey with gravy and a side of turkey, please. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Agreed. So Brooks, what's been going on with you? What is the latest? <laughs> well, the latest, I don't know. I mean, I've been I'm in super calm down mode waiting for winter, but this has been a, an incredible, the last, I guess, two and a half years. I, I wrote four books in two years and, uh, I have been writing scripts for the birth trilogy for about eight months now. I've won four script contests. Uh, I'm a member of the Chicago Screen Actors Guild, the uh, Charlotte Screenwriters Association and the Dallas Screenwriters Association. And I have been all out trying to get the birth trilogy onto the small screen, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Apple, something like that. And uh, so we're pitching and we're talking with producers and we're booking actors. And it's really, really exciting. It's kind of a new phase of my uh, publishing career. So I've had a lot of fun. Yeah. And of course, you are also a host and you've been doing your radio gig there for many, many years. True. X Squared Radio, I'm in my uh, 14th year. Uh, we are now, well, we've been on Sunday nights from 8 to 11 for 13 of those 14 years. So we built quite a brand there. And then, you know, also my day job, my real job, the job, you know, that I kind of make money at is I'm a, an engineer. So I've got several patents and, uh, now I'm kind of in the consulting phase of my career. I'm no longer working full-time for the Fortune 500. I'm now consulting for them. Yes. Sweet. Yeah, he's, he's, he's gotten in there, especially with the electric, uh, electric truck company, rather. And if I recall correctly, this was something that seemed to me, in my opinion, that it was actually going very well, but something must have happened there. 
What happened? Oh, it did. I mean, yeah. See, I mean, the electric vehicle industry as a whole, and we were on the the leading edge of the frothy, you know, wave that started this whole thing back in the mid nineties. Um, and then we we decided to get out of the electric car and go into electric trucks in two thousand nine. Uh, and we were doing quite well. We were ready to go into production in the spring of two thousand and sixteen. And our airbag supplier got nuked by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, which, uh, you know, the agencies, departments, bureaus and administrations only exist to destroy competition with the global multi-billion dollar corporations that run our government. Terrible. And so we fell a prey to that. But um, it's kind of interesting because some foreign money, some Saudi money has actually come into the industry in the last few months and launched a hitherto completely unknown nobody into a almost front page story in the electric truck industry, except that the inventors of that truck totally missed the mark. Uh, they developed a pickup truck. Now, get this. The pickup truck costs a hundred thousand dollars and it goes zero to 60 in three seconds. Now I would say that kind of missed the pickup truck market just a little bit. Our Condor has a 100 inch long bed, carries a thousand pounds and costs half that. So we're, uh, we're making some new headway with it. I think we're going to, I think we're going to break some, uh, some ceilings this year, this 2019 year. It's going to be interesting for the electric vehicle industry. I hope so. And by the way, Paul, were you going to jump in there? No, I was going to ask. So what do you think? So, um, you know, it, it, it's hard to have a conversation about electric vehicles without mentioning Elon Musk. But what you just said right. about the, um, Saudis like coming into it, why do you think that this was Saudi up and up and comer got into it? Is that because of government? Uh, cronyism and favoritism that suddenly this substandard product is suddenly right out there? Well, that's part of it. And, and, and Elon Musk is certainly a headline, but not for the reason that people think that he is. I was actually pretty close with the original founders of Tesla Motors. And uh, what happened was they were developing the Model S. They ran out of money. They went back for a capital call to their investors, one of whom was Elon Musk. He agreed to put in more money but wanted more stock, and one thing led to another, and Elon Musk actually did a hostile takeover and kicked my friends out of their own company. So oh, my, Elon, my God. Yeah, you, you need to write a book about that, man. That's true. Elon Musk is not Tesla Motors. Elon oh. Musk knows nothing about selling cars, but I will give him credit. He knows everything about selling stock. And if it wasn't for Citicorp trying to take Tesla Motors out of the picture for the last four years, um, I think they would have been much more successful than, than they have been. Elon, fortunately, was able to jerk uh, Citicorp's pants down around their ankles twice as they tried to naked short his company out of business. And my hat's off to him. He cost Citicorp $1.2 billion catching them naked shorting Tesla Motors into non-existence. And it was only doing that that he, that the company actually survived. So my hat's off to him. If it wasn't for him being able to take Citicorp down, 
electric vehicles wouldn't even be in the American lexicon right now. Wow. So, okay, so what do you think about this? Did you see um, Elon Musk smoking pot on the Joe Rogan show? That's what I was going to ask him. I mean, uh, everyone's seen that, right? You actually mentioned two names which have nothing to do with anything of value. Elon Musk and Joe Rogan. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree there. You know, so here's my question is, did, was that show just a setup? I mean, what do you think? Is that all just fake? I mean, did they plan to do that? Did, did Elon know Joe Rogan was going to hand him the joint? And did they do that on purpose just to manipulate the stock? I have no clue, but. Knowing Joe Rogan, um, he's going to do whatever it takes to get ratings because he has absolutely no talent whatsoever. You think he's a hack? <laughs> I, I, will, I guess I'll answer for you. You do think so. Oh, I'm sorry. That was me dropping the mic. Oh, okay. Well, yes. <laughs> I guess we're, we're done with that uh, topic there. I hope that answered your question, Paul. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Incredible. Yes. The fact that we don't see too many electric vehicles on the road is kind of telling. The fact that it's well, not you, really Well, if you go promoted. to Europe or you go to Asia, you'll see electric vehicles everywhere because they just make sense. Of course. Uh, rather than shoveling the planet into your gas tank and burning it, electric vehicles make sense because electricity is cheap. And driving an electric vehicle in a city Without pollution, uh, for what, two cents a mile as opposed to 21 cents a mile. It just makes a lot of sense. But that doesn't happen in the United States of America because our government, we think what our government is, is not what it is. We elect a government, but that's not the government that taxes us, that fines us, that sets up the rules by which we run our daily lives. No, that government, the agencies, departments, bureaus, and administrations, they're the ones that write the laws. They're the ones that assess the taxes. They're the ones that set up the fees and the fines and the, and the police actions. But we, the people, have no representation in that government whatsoever. And by the way, Brooks, on a side note, where can people hear you? Live in case someone out there is listening right now and they're thinking, well, where could we hear a show again? Every Sunday night from 8 to 11 Eastern Time, X Squared Radio is live. We're also known as America Free Radio. I'm also live on Mondays and Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time as a co-host on a pre- uh, program called Quantum Connections with Lucky One. So seven hours a week. Very nice. Very nice. And today we are seeing this unfolding of the, what I like to call the political masquerade. The American citizens are now barely starting to come to the understanding that here in America, the government and the politicians are as corrupt as those in the Mexican government, to be honest with you. There's so much I could get into. Yeah, I mean, the corruption really stems, I think, from... The money. I mean, you, you'd like to say it was the power, but politicians in this country don't really have a lot of power. Not really. But, yes. But what they, what they do have access to is a lot of money. I mean, serious money. I mean, you think about 100 senators have control of the largest treasury the world has ever known. And Congress has the power over the purse strings of that treasury. We have the wealthiest 
Congress and Senate in the history of the world right now. It is unbelievable how much money they command. And when, when you look at the election system, it is all designed to keep these people in power. That's what it's all about. And it's not power over our lives. They could care less about that. What they really want is power over the money. They want power over the treasury. And, and this is what it all boils down to. So what is the only other institution in the world that has more money than politics? It's drugs. Right. Illegal drugs make up about 3% of the global domestic product. The global domestic product, that almost dwarfs the entire domestic product for the entire United States. That's how much money is in drugs. And these uh, government officials have been tapped into that drug money for over 50 years. And that's what makes the world go around, my friends. And you're right. Programs like yours, Michael, and mine and others, we are the ones that are waking people up to the corruption, to the bribery, the graft, the blackmail, the extortion that's going on in our government. It's incredible. There's so much corruption. And, Paul, do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, 100%. So, I mean, where did things change, though? Where do you think things changed? Was it like the Federal Reserve Act of 1913? Uh, well, that, that certainly gave the transatlantic banks the power over the creation of money. And it wasn't long after that, uh, that we dropped off of the, uh, silver standard. And then in 1972, we dropped off the gold standard and then fiat money, you know, pretty much had its way. But I, I would, I would think mostly it was in 1933. In 1933, Franklin Delano Roosevelt the flamboyant lawyer from New York, became president of the United States. Almost immediately, within just a few weeks of his presidency, he opened up what I would consider government in a box, like dehydrated government. All of a sudden, all these agencies started popping up, one after the other after the other. And by 1935, all he really needed, all he really needed to, to keep, to stay in power and to make sure that the Democrats never fell out of power again, and by the way, they didn't, was an opposition research firm that was so powerful and so fearsome that no one could ever defeat it. And he founded it in 1935. It was called the FBI. Mm-hmm. You know, I did want to go back to what you were talking about. When you mentioned drugs, I did want to get your opinion on the quote-unquote war on drugs. I definitely wanted to get your opinion. And we'll start very simple with Paul when he asked about Joe Rogan and Elon Musk smoking a joint. How do you feel about marijuana today, Brooks? Well, I'm kind of a libertarian when it comes to to all of this. I think the whole idea of of uh, government coming down and creating a war and uh, going after marijuana. I think it's all ridiculous. People have been using marijuana for, you know, 5,000 years at least. Um, the, the, what they really wanted to do was create the money in the system. If they made it illegal, then it made the drug very expensive. And the fact that all that money could be put into a system that they know 
you know, 50 million Americans are going to do. It created a cash flow that they could use off the books. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but I was, um, I've been a quality engineer for a long, long time. And quality engineers do uh, different jobs in industry, all kinds of industry, medical, uh, manufacturing, and also financial. And one of the things that we do in the financial industry is we create or capture uh, processes in writing so that we create a package of knowledge. So when the acquisition of different banks was taking place in the 90s and early 2000s, what they really wanted was the package. I mean, they could buy all the all the account holders, they could buy all the money, but what they really wanted to buy was the process by which that bank did business. And one of those banks was called Wachovia. I don't know if you remembered it or not, but oh yeah, but, um, yeah. Wachovia Bank had built itself into a pretty good sized regional bank, and after um, the uh, Glass Steagall Act was repealed by Bill Clinton. It allowed banks to buy up not only other banks, but also brokerage houses, people that dealt in securities and bring them all in-house under one roof. So these national banks and even international banks were able to buy up these regional banks and thus do business over state lines. So Wells Fargo was in the process of purchasing Wachovia Bank. So I was hired to go into Wachovia Bank and capture all of their work instructions, all of their work processes in writing so that Wachovia could then purchase the whole package instead of just just the account holders. Well, at that time, at the exact same time, actually, Wachovia got busted for laundering $329 billion in drug cartel cash. Yeah, what was happening is the, the drug cartels in Mexico would deposit the cash in the bank in Mexico. That would then transfer to a bank in Southern California, which would then transfer to a bank in Suffolk County, New York. Well, they got busted, and the whole deal almost went south, except that Wachovia agreed to pay a big fine, and the Department of Justice decided to file a notice of deferred prosecution, and Wells Fargo also decided to hire a new board member. So this smooth talking board member came in, assured everyone the transition, the, the transaction would go smoothly, which it did. Wells Fargo acquired Wachovia. I was paid. Everyone was paid. Everything was good. I went on my merry way and everybody kind of expected things to clean up, but they didn't. Wells Fargo opened up thousands and thousands of phony bank accounts. No names, no addresses, no social security numbers, no uh, birth certificates behind these accounts. Well, an auditor went in after the acquisition and audited Wells Fargo, and sure enough, he found all these phony accounts. Well, you would think that, okay, so some bank officer made a little commission for opening up some extra accounts. Big deal. He got his Christmas bonus. Big deal. But uh, that wasn't all. These accounts were actually receiving money. Lots of it. And they were wiring the money out to other accounts in other locations. Lots of it. So the auditor caught this. And when he did, it scared the hell out of him. He put together a thousand page dossier and he went to the district attorney of Suffolk County, New York, and he turned it in. He said, this is what I found. This is criminal. Lots of it. I mean, we're talking billions and billions of dollars of 
of off the books money that's being wired in and wired out of accounts that have no names associated with them. So the district attorney said, wow, this is amazing. Well, thank you very much. We'll investigate. So a very short time later, by the way, this auditor, uh, when I wrote the book Charm of Favor, I changed his name. So he is not by name mentioned in the book. But the auditor went his what very, you know, his merry way, dropped his cell phone in the East River and disappeared. Um, the district attorney, however, decided to file also a notice of deferred prosecution, fined Wells Fargo about $1.2 billion, which they happily paid. And the board member that I mentioned came out, made a speech and said, look, we're so sorry the bank was involved in this. This is not what we're about. We're going to change our ways. So the banking officers that were responsible for this have been transferred to other banks. They will not receive as high of a bonus as we were going to pay them. Nobody was fired. Nobody was arrested. No criminal charges were filed. A short time later, that board member was plucked out of Wells Fargo Bank and made head of the FBI. His name was James Comey. Oh, and oh my the, God. And the district attorney in Suffolk County, New York, that filed the notice of deferred prosecution. A few months later, she was plucked out of that office and made the attorney general her name, Loretta Lynch. Isn't that amazing? And now, not, now you know the whole story. I'm not surprised at all. Look, the only reason the drugs being illegal, that's the only way that the government can continue to make money off of it. If sure. they were not illegal, then they couldn't make money off of it. It'd just be a free market thing. There would be just, no value to it at all. You're right. Exactly. I mean, people need to understand that the government is not a business. I mean, people want to say that. Oh, the government's like a business, right? Like, let's get Trump in office. He's just going to treat it like a business, and then everything's going to be, you know, and then he's going to run it to maximum efficiency. But, no, the government is not a business. They don't make money by serving people. They make money by stealing it from people. It's called taxes, right? Well, they just take money from people and then they use it for things, the, you know? The CIA, so they don't um, have to like be a good business, you know what I mean? Right. The CIA makes plenty of, um, plenty of money running all their operations. We have to go back in time and look at all their involvements in the drug trade as well. Just look at the whole Iran-Contra scandal and Freeway Ricky Ross going back to the 80s. And all this sort of the drugs and government it all ties together, especially with Mr. Bill Clinton, who was involved with the MENA Arkansas scandal, of course, with uh, Roger Clinton. We all know how that went down. Well, actually, uh, we need to go back just a little bit further than that. It was actually uh, George H.W. Bush, God rest his soul. Yeah, he started, just died yesterday. 94. Yes, or the, a few days ago anyway. But anyway, he started the drug business in Mena, Arkansas, in order to be able to transfer weapons to the Contras in South America. And then the drug money would come, or the drugs would come back into this country. And that was, that was the trade business. Well, all this occurred, as you said, in Mena, Arkansas. Well, the governor of Arkansas at the time was Bill Clinton. Now, of course, at the time, Arkansas was the poorest performer in the United States. Right. The worst in schools, 
the worst in in the cost in in standard of living. It was horrible. It was wait horrible. a minute, worse in Mississippi. Uh, no, at that time it was Arkansas, actually. Okay. And so here's the crazy thing. Bill Clinton decided to insert himself into the drug business and he started making money off of it too. By the way, there was a, a movie recently made about this American made with, uh, with, uh, Tom Cruise. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. And good. You know what was interesting about that movie is they even mentioned Bill Clinton's name in the movie when they had, um, uh, the pilot and his name just escapes me just right at this moment. Yeah. I'm forgetting to say uh, too. They, they had the pilot in court. They had arrested him and the, uh, prosecuting attorney was getting ready to put him in jail. The FBI was there. The state police were there. And all of a sudden she gets a phone call. Now she works for the DA's office and she takes the phone call in the courtroom. The judge says, you know, it's for you. And she, it's Bill Clinton on the phone. And Bill Clinton says, you're going to let this guy go. And she says, no, I'm not going to let him go. We have him red-handed with state police here, FBI's here. We're going to put this guy away. And Bill Clinton says, no, you're going to release him, and you're going to do it right now. And and that's what they did. They released him. And he continued to to run drugs for a little while longer and make even more money. But what a lot of people don't know, and I put this in the book Charm of Favor, that woman in the DA's office a short time later, was taken out into the woods and shot in the back of the head. And she was pregnant. That's dark. Yeah, I didn't know yes, about that part. That's dark. Well, that's that was my job in the book, was to dig all these little details out and put them in the book so people could get the full picture. But So anyway, a short time later, little old uh, Bill Clinton, nobody from Arkansas, uh, decides to run for president, and nobody not uh, Congressman Bob Dornan from California or anybody else thought he had stood a chance of a snowball in hell. But he had drug cartel money, and he sent millions and millions of dollars to the superdelegates, to the very people that would be electing the candidate and pushing for his election in Washington. And when Bill Clinton faced off against George H.W. Bush in the debates, President Bush folded his arms, leaned back against the desk, and let Bill Clinton win because Bill Clinton knew everything about Bush's drug trade in Arkansas, and he could bury the Bushes, and that's why he conceded. By the way, the book... The name of the book is Charm of Favor, a true story of the rise of the Clinton crime syndicate. Of course, we are talking to Brooks Agnew here live and direct. Great author, great guy, great radio personality as well. I've heard you do your show before a couple of times, by the way. Do a good job. And, and the jury says? You do good. You do a great job. Uh, I appreciate that very much. Uh, you know, it's when you're only on three hours a week, you can spend the other, you know, hundred hours a week doing research for three hours. So you can make it, you can make it really great. I have great respect for the guys that do three hours every single day. That is very hard to do. Yeah, that gets very hectic, especially with coming up with different material, especially nowadays, because you want to talk about something that's going to have a little bit of meaning. And something that what reflects what's going on currently today. You don't really want to uh, talk about things that are sort of irrelevant. Well, there are a lot of cliches, you know, Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. to about 6 p.m. five days a week. There's a lot of repetition. People just go over the same stuff. But 
by Sunday night, people are in withdrawal because they haven't heard any new news since 6 p.m. on Friday. So what we really do on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time is we start the news week. The junkies that are out there that need to <laughs> know junkies, what's yes. going on, what's happening, who's going to be arrested, what's what's happening in the world, and how does it affect me? How do I need to invest my money? Where do I need to stand? Where do I need to? How do I need to vote? They tune into X Squared Radio at eight o'clock on Sunday nights, and they hear about what everybody's going to talk about starting at six a.m. on Monday morning before they start talking about it. We are the ones that drive those headlines for the coming week. Very nice, yes. And, of course, very quiet on Sunday evenings. That's actually a pretty good spot to do a program, do a live show, since most of the world is sort of resting on Sundays. Very lazy. Well, we do a live show, and we take phone calls live, and we get calls from Australia, from England, from Wales, from California, Canada, People are out there and they're listening and they care. And after 14 years, you know, we've built quite an audience and, and, uh, you know, 10 books in print and I've just been able to connect with the audience pretty well. And I have to say between our chat room and the people that call into our program, I think we have about the smartest audience out there. Oh, yes. I definitely won't argue with that. Many minds out there are opening up to all these things that are going on and. I believe, Paul, you are back now, right? Yeah, I'm totally back. All right, cool. Very nice. Just making sure you're still alive out there. And one of the things that we mentioned early on here was the death of Mr. Bush. It sounds like you you didn't really like him very much, Brooks. Well, it's not a matter of like or dislike. Uh, Maybe it's uh, a difference in, in ideology. When I first heard the idea of a new world order with a thousand uh, yes. points of light, I thought, eh, you know, well, maybe we need, do need to get together and we need to learn to live as earthlings and maybe, you know, set our, our national differences aside and maybe try to work together. But as I saw what we now call the globalist elite, begin to form up. This is before the Euro was ever invented and before Belgium became, you know, the, the titular head of Europe and before all of the country lines like Germany and France and the Netherlands and then before they dissolved all their country lines and kind of became one large conglomerate. Uh, now I have seen the fruits of that effort and and what has become apparent is that the globalists in Belgium have facilitated an invasion of Europe. I have lots of friends in the UK, and they swear to me that it is lost, that the island is is done. It's never going to be recovered, that the Muslims have completely taken over the island. Uh, they're dominating every hamlet, every village, and even the big cities in the UK. And there's no getting it back. Now, keep in mind, this is an island that was invaded five times over history, five times by Muslims. Four times they were able to fight them back and beat them off the island. This time, they're surrendering. There is no coming back from this. However, um, you know, now that we've seen Europe fall, 
And we're seeing nations like Poland and Hungary and Italy now trying to fight back, although economically they're at a huge disadvantage now. We're also seeing the same thing happen in the United States. We've been told for years and years we had, what, 11 million foreign citizens inside the United States. Now we're aware that there's some 50 million, 50 million foreign citizens inside the United States. And in nine states, no fewer than nine states, those foreign citizens are empowered to vote in our elections. 41 states in our union have what's called a safe ID. This is an ID that's backed up by a birth certificate, some documented proof that they are, in fact, citizens of the United States. Nine states refuse to comply with federal law. Oh, they've been sued, and those lawsuits have been set aside, and that set aside has has expired, and then another set aside, and that one has expired. Nine states refuse to comply. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of foreign citizens are actively voting in our elections, and those states flat refuse to clean up their voter registration rolls. Yeah. Now now you see where our country's going. Yeah, they're going to win. They're going to win. I mean, there's no way out of it. It's like the Muslims, they are going to, like, fucking take over Europe. They're going to take over the U.K., and they're going to continue to take over space in America. I don't say there's any way out of it. They have the uh, critical monotheistic system like going on where at birth you know you circumcise the men and and like you you put the women in their place and you marry your first cousin just like it says in the bible i mean it's just the thing they're doing all these things that are like old school like old testament like bible things too right and it's like that's how you like that's how you prep people to be collectivist followers just like blind-eyed radical followers and it's like they're just going to keep spreading. There's no way out of it because now the um, the liberal left in the world is like, oh, no, you can't, like, say anything bad about them. You, know, you have to accept them. Well, the U.K. is already – the U.K. has you been know? just taken over in my opinion. No, not the U.K., the EU. Uh, the U.K. is actually trying to extract themselves from the yeah, European what's Union. What's up with Brexit? Is Brexit going to happen or what? I mean, that was amazing. Like a year, over a year ago, that shit happened. They got Brexit rowdy. Happened. Yeah, it got like, pretty rowdy oh there. Oh, my huh? God. <laughs> my goodness. Well, Brexit, uh, for those listeners that aren't aware of it, this was an effort by a movement which was called Britain First, like America First only. This is Britain First. Uh, what they decided to do was to withdraw from the European Union, primarily because of two reasons. They, they could have more, but primarily two reasons. One is the forced migration of Muslims into the UK from Belgium. I mean, part of the rules of being inside the EU is you have to take the immigrants that Belgium orders you to take. And in case you haven't looked up very you know, lately, the UK has a very limited amount of real estate. So once you get a certain, you know, critical mass of Muslims, you have a real problem. But the second was probably even more important than that. 
The second reason was that when the uh, United Kingdom's parliament would pass a law and the prime minister would sign it into law, Belgium retained veto power over the UK's own laws inside its own country. That was more important, I think, than, than the Muslim immigration. Because the United Kingdom has been the economic center of Europe for 10 centuries. For 10 centuries, the UK has been the, the source of underwriting capital for all of Europe. No, that, no, man, they invented banking, man. The Knights Templar, they invented the whole concept of banking. Well, that's true. And whether it started in, in Scotland or England, I'm Scottish, so I'm not going to give the English credit for it, no matter what you tell me. Um, but they, they created the system of checks. Uh, they're the ones that uh, allowed pilgrims to travel to the Holy Lands and back without having to carry a whole bunch of money with them. They could just stop out of a, a stop off at a Templar bank, so to speak, um, uh, check out money, do their business that they had to do in the Holy Lands and then return. And that's why Philip the Fair, you know, mounted his all out assault on the Templars because he thought they had accumulated this incredible wealth when all they really had done is accumulate the idea of banking. So you're exactly yeah. right. You're exactly yeah. right. So the bottom line is that, that the system it has reached critical mass and the people are not quite ready to surrender. And so we're beginning to see some rebels, some rebellion on uh, certain levels. Of course, uh, Juncker is uh, trying to say that anybody that is against migration, they're going to be put in jail. Uh, it's going to be called a hate crime. You're going to be arrested. You're going to have your assets stripped from you. But that really hasn't uh, – that law really hasn't crossed country lines yet. That's insane. Yeah, no, it's true. It just happened in the last couple of days. My God. And, and it's not unlike what's happening here in this country. You know, up in Minnesota, they just elected a, an open Muslim who married her own brother so he could get into this country. Oh my God. In, into Congress. And, uh, you think to yourself, how in the world could an open, you know, Muslim that's obviously flouting our laws for Sharia law get elected? I mean, why would the people of Minnesota do that? And the answer is because the people of Minnesota are no longer in the majority. And that's what, that's what tells you where we are. The fact that this woman could get elected, undo hundreds of years of tradition in the Congress about wearing head coverings in Congress. Get that just thrown up just because she's Muslim. She can now wear a head covering inside of Congress. I can't tell you how many women of color have wanted to wear a hat inside of Congress, but they've been banned because it's against the rules. But they threw that rule out for this Muslim woman who is now in Congress. Yeah, it's sad. There's... There's no hope. I, I I don't think there's any like hope that like the governmental system is, is going to get humanity anywhere. It's like all signs point to we're going back into the dark ages really fast. There's no way out of it. You know, like you said, like Brexit, it's like it, that was an amazing thing when Brexit happened. There's a referendum of no, we do not want to be 
ordered around by the European Union, which is just like a it's not even elected board. It's like a private corporation headed by Angela Merkel that just runs all of Europe and decides, you know, makes these decisions, you know, who's going to get the immigrants, you know. Where yeah, are we well, going to send you, the immigrants you, to? But it's like Theresa. no one can do anything about it, you know? Well, you had Theresa May, who recently, as as maybe a couple of days ago, told uh, uh, Londoners and Britons that this is the only deal. If you don't make this deal, there is no deal. Um, but I don't think it's going to fly. And I, I, I don't want to openly disagree with you on the air, but I will say that I still have hope. I still have hope because... There are still pockets of light out there. Otherwise, I wouldn't have written the book Charm of Favor. The reason that we write, the reason that we get on the air and we talk, the reason we have programs like this is to wake people the hell up as to what's going on and to realize that they are not alone. They're not alone out here, and we don't have to take it. We can still have an effect right now. Well, I wrote a book in 2012 called alienated nation and it was a call to action for a little known clause in the constitution called an article five convention. It allows states to call their own convention, not a congressional convention, a constitutional convention called by states. And I wrote the book in 2012. We, It became a number one bestseller on Amazon. We sent tons of copies out to state legislatures all over the country, and we waited. So now here we are, six years later, there are a million and a half contributors to the Convention of States. There are delegates in all 50 states. They've completed two conventions. In those conventions, there was a lot of argument, a lot of debate, but there was also agreement. And in those conventions, 50 states agreed to make six amendments to the Constitution. Now, we need two-thirds of the, of the states to agree to have a convention, but the amendments were agreed upon. And the first and foremost amendment agreed to by over 67% of the delegates is term limits for Congress and the Senate, a constitutional amendment limiting the amount of time a congressman or a senator can serve. Very, very powerful as a tool for recovering our government. The second one is a balanced budget amendment. The third one is a, uh, an amendment to the Commerce Clause that removes the federal authority of all of the agencies, departments, bureaus, and administrations. No more federal authority to the EPA, the FDA, the FBI. No more federal authority. And that will recover the republic. Now, I agree with that 100%. What about uh, in, the fe- in the Federal Reserve, in the Fed? That doesn't have to be done as an amendment. That can be actually done as a law. And to tell you the truth, Donald Trump has really done some amazing things toward this. There are six members of the board of the Fed. Donald Trump has already assigned two of those board members. He has an opportunity to assign four more. If the Senate will get off their butts and approve his appointments, Donald Trump will control the Fed. And he has made it very clear that once he does get control of the Fed, he is dissolving it. And he's going to return the U.S. dollar 
to being backed by gold. No more fiat currency. By the way, I think it is brilliant. By the way, Brooks, we are that's- joined by another call caller, rather. A caller, you are live on there. What's going on? Hey, Mike. How's it going? Pretty good. Did you have a, a question for Brooks or myself or anything to add to this conversation? Uh, I'd like to know if your guest, well, he thinks about if the New World Order, the view on the disclosure, if the aliens would be disclosed, the, at least to tell the truth about if we had any extra ETs uh, uh, counters. Well, that's a really good question. Uh, I recently spoke at the Disclosure Con in Arizona, and I have a lot of friends in the Disclosure movement. I know uh, Dr. Stephen Greer very well. I know, um, uh, you know, several of the uh, of the people that are, I would say, the leaders in that in that movement. Uh, and I will tell you that there's a there's a big push by the public for the government to reveal what it knows. Uh, and, and I'm confident that this formation of this new space force, I actually spoke about this on, on Beyond Belief TV with George Norrie recently. I think the space force has importance in two ways. Number one is that after several trips to the Pentagon myself, I have, I believe the assertion that the Pentagon has become mostly political and a president simply does not have enough time, doesn't have enough clout and certainly doesn't have enough prowess to undo the political machine inside the Pentagon. And so when the second fleet was undone in the Northeast and when NASA was completely politicized, not reliable whatsoever, Trump really had no choice but to form a new branch of the government. And what he did, I think, is he went to the flag officers, all those hundreds and hundreds of officers that Mr. Obama fired summarily because they refused to follow his orders. And he is going to staff this new Space Force with those officers, the ones that are loyal to America. He's also reinstilled the second fleet, and he's going to be staffing them, all those carriers and frigates and destroyers and helicopters and surveillance aircraft with those flag officers. But when the Space Force is fully implemented, and I believe it will be with this budget that we're getting ready to see in January, it is going to be a non-politicized military force that is loyal to the Constitution of the United States. And I think then we're going to see some of this technology revealed. So, yes, I do think disclosure is going to happen. Okay. And my uh, my second part is uh, how how's the Space Force going to form? Is it more like uh, the Navy Marine Corps model or is it going to be really different? Well, I think it's going to be not according to the Navy, but I think it's going to definitely be more in line with the Marines. Uh, one of the, I, I have several friends that are still in the service, so I can't actually say what they do, but, uh, I can tell you that the Marines are loyal to the president. The Navy has been compromised. The Air Force has about 90% been compromised and the Army is about 50-50. You really don't know what's going on in the army. The Marines are the only ones that have proven 
unequivocally loyalty to the president and to the Constitution. I, I will say they're loyal to every president. I think they're loyal to the Constitution, and thus they're they're loyal to this president. Uh, it is. When I say the Navy Marine Corps model, I mean the Navy has its ships. The Army, although the Marines actually are like the infantry, the seaborne infantry, they uh, take land. So that's what I meant. You're going more like the actual individual the officers and senior and CEO model. I mean, if you watch like um, like like in Stargate, for example, there's more Air Force, but the model takes the lead. But if you if you go more like it's going to go from plant like Earth to Mars, for example, Marines are put uh, uh, be uh, the ships are there and controlled by the Navy, like the Navy, and we could actually take ground and be like the, like space marines, take the ground, kind of like what we did in World War II during the Pippin Theater of Operations with the, the uh, Navy took the, uh, Marines, the Marines took the ground for follow up forces, so like the Army for more long term. That's what I, what I meant. Uh, well, you bring up a good point, and I, and I I wish I could answer it more thoroughly. But with you know what are what are really the friendlies going to be like? But oftentimes I judge systems like this by who are the enemies of it. And when I look at the people that have actually come out publicly and spoken against the president, against the formation of this space force, the only ones that have really come out in public like on newscasts and, and, and various interview forums has been the Air Force itself. The Air Forces are the people that are coming out and saying, Oh, we don't need a space force. We already do all of this. So in that case, I judge a man or judge his programs more by the enemies of it than I do by the friends. So I would say that, um, we can by process of elimination say, the Air Force is not on board because they are complete sellouts as far as a political system. They have no loyalty to the Constitution whatsoever, and they could care less whether this republic remains or not. Right on. And by the way, there is another caller here on the line. Caller, what's going on? You're live on the air. Hey, this is Kaiser. How's it going there, Michael? Kaiser, what's going on, my friend? Nothing much, brother. Uh Yeah, you know, I kind of understand this stuff probably a little more than most. That's true. Um, I've been listening to it, and traditionally, if there was going to be a naval space, if there's going to be a space force, it's going to be a naval space force for the oceans of the space, okay? That's really why it's called that, and you'll have a fleet of ships. Now, I don't doubt that the Marine Corps, I was a Marine, that, uh, and I, I've been back and forth to Afghanistan and Iraq a lot, and you know this. I just got back from Kandahar a month and a half ago. Right. I would agree with Brooks that uh, the Air Force is totally corrupted. I would also agree that the Army is probably 50-50. It might be a little heavier leaning on the liberal side. I'm being very frank. The very, Marine Corps very works frank. it together. Huh? I said very frank, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, the Marine Corps, what keeps it together is their tradition, their custom, and they still do a lot of things old school. I joined the military back in the 80s when there was still a Cold War. And I've, I was in the Army for three years, Marine Corps for four, did a National Guard for another eight years, worked for some federal agencies. Uh, you're right that Obama tried to gut the military's leadership. I witnessed that firsthand. Uh, there's a lot you're saying I agree with. I just wanted to jump in and uh, basically see, here, here's the question I did have for you, though. Um, is this, is this, 
I don't know all your background. Is this theory, or have you actually been to a war zone, even as a reporter or anything? Just a question. Well, I was in the Air Force in the 70s, uh, and I, I've i been very close to the military pretty much my whole life as far as knowing what they're about, knowing what the traditions are, and actually watching the deterior- deterioration of the armed forces. And I've been to the Pentagon several times as a uh, as a manufacturer to try to do business with the government. And of course that cool. you know, led me to, to, to visit Congress several times and to speak on yep. behalf of uh, North Carolina businesses. I have spoken with the uh, Secretary of Transportation and the Undersecretary of the Air Force in the Pentagon. So, you know, I, I haven't been a military man my whole life, but it doesn't, you know, I don't think you have to be. No, no, no. I, I don't. What Obama I, that was did. Just, that was, no, that was just a question. I agree with everything you just stated. Uh, I've been to the Pentagon numerous times. Uh, I worked for DOD, a couple agencies in it. Um, anyways, no, like I said, I'm not discounting. I just ask where you're, if, if you, and you have military service. So I don't take any, uh, anything away from a fellow veteran. Um, I, I just happened to, my first war was the Gulf War. I've lived a quarter of my life in the Near East, and I watched from Kandahar from 01, October 26th. That was my first time going over there. Uh, I watched it degrade to what it is now. What you were saying earlier about uh, the UN and whatnot, I have witnessed, and I've said this offline to Michael, I witnessed UN flights, flagged German flights, because the UN, whatever nationality is flying it, they have to fly there. Uh, numbers <clears throat> and their country of origin's flag. And there was two flights a day that left out of there to Germany with Afghanis from the Kandahar civilian airport, which is attached to the air base. Okay. So when you talk about corruption, human trafficking, I've seen it all under Obama, his aid for Africa program. That was a scheme that I could go in depth on. If you ever look it up or if, uh, Michael wants to give you my, uh, bona fides, you know, I'll let you know, but, uh, Anyways, it's great hearing you. I, this is the first time I've ever heard you, Mr. Agnew. Uh, well, it's really I, I uh, a pleasant conversation. I, I appreciate it very much. You know, in Chapter 3 of Charm of Favor, I cover the events that went on in Benghazi. Now, that happened September 11, 2012. On September 16th, five days later, I broke the story on X Squared Radio of what was going on. The fact that Ambassador Stevens was part of an assassination, that uh, the Clintons had set up a CIA operation, which the Department of Defense was unaware of. The Pentagon did not know we had a CIA operation in Libya. They also did not know that after the assassination of Muammar Gaddafi for the next Eight and a half months, Hillary Clinton was gathering up missiles, rockets, grenades, weapons, putting them on ships, and she was transporting them to Syria to arm al-Qaeda, which later turned into ISIS. They were forming, they were forming ISIS. And that's what Ambassador Stevens discovered when he landed in Benghazi that morning on the airplane. Right. Uh, right. The Navy SEALs that were there informed him what was going on. They also informed him that they had made over 200 phone calls, over 200 phone calls 
to the State Department right. asking for reinforcements. Ambassador you, Stevens you know, began getting on the phone that morning. It didn't end until that afternoon, and he was killed that night. Right, with the with the Turkish uh, ambassador going to stop by. You do know that uh, Stevens was a gun runner, right? We're talking yes. like Khashoggi. And right. uh, he was so dirty that nobody would touch him, and he was being used by Hillary, the Hilda Beast. There's a lot that you – it sounds like you know stuff, but research that, brother. And I, and I mean that. I'm not – just check it out. You'll see what I'm saying is correct. Well, what I try to do in the book, even though it's kind of written in a fiction format, in the book I, I put the reader on the ground in Benghazi that day to know what went on with the Navy SEALs, to know what went on inside that camp, that uh, compound. They all knew they were going to die. They knew it. Oh, yeah, and it wasn't about no video either, brother. It no, was about fact, we were, the, they were collecting up. They were collecting up some of the arms that had already been stole or sold, and they were being fronted through Turkey to fly in for ISIS, as you stated earlier. I mean, this this rabbit hole goes deep, man. This there was some major corruption, and my hope is that uh, the Clintons finally get their feet held to the fire over this stuff. I think that's well, what everybody wants. Yeah, yeah right, absolutely, and I and I think it's coming. Uh, what we have seen over the last couple of years is a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes with Jeff Sessions not really coming out and making any any public statements about going after them. We've also seen this this complete carnival act called the Mueller investigation going on, which I, I, when I went to Trump Tower during transition, uh, you know, I made my, my views known about new energy, but I couldn't really say, you know, anything else. I was talking about the future of energy with them, not about what was going on, but I recommended later that Trump should have fired Mueller the week after he was appointed, but he didn't. And now it's turned into this you know, this tremendous dog and pony show. But what you're seeing with Huber and his hundreds and hundreds of U.S. attorneys and the interim uh, attorney general, acting attorney general, uh, which is uh, which is uh, Matthew Whitaker, I think you're going to start seeing some FBI raids, not just the ones that we've seen, but I think you're going to start seeing the uh, Clinton Foundation raided, I think the question that we've been raising for well over two years, where is the server? Where's the server that Hillary Clinton maintained? Well, we all know that it's in the possession of the Attorney General of California. We all know that he left Washington, D.C. and took that server with him. What we want to see is the FBI raid his office and his house. We want to see that server recovered. And, and, but uh, like I said at the opening of the show, in 1935, Franklin Delano Roosevelt formed the FBI as the opposition research firm for the Democrat Party. They have been that ever since. They didn't get corrupt. They've always been corrupt. No, there are so many dominoes waiting to fall with all of this. And like you said, man, it's just like, when is that going to happen? I mean, everything with like Bill Clinton, all of his like horrible, like, like sexual, like escapades and everything. I mean, when is everything going to finally drop? When are all the dominoes going to drop and finally like lay all of this shit down to where people can start to believe 
start to really see that these people are not some kind of, um, you know, like mystical, like rulers that always know what's best for everyone. You know what I mean? And, and so would, and I wanted to ask you, would you said like 90% of the Air Force, would you said that, that the, that, that, that the 90% of the Air Force is compromised? I mean, it's because we were talking about like George Bush and everything. And so I like, I, immediately I went back to like the 90s and it's like, okay, like I'm thinking of like Air Force, like air raids, like in Bosnia and stuff like that. Does it go back to that? Is that the point where the Air Force was compromised by the Clintons? No, I think it goes back before that. And, Whoa. you know, Bush was was a naval aviator. But, you know, the war in Bosnia was uh, was perpetrated by Hillary Clinton using a, a false a picture. It wasn't really Photoshop, but it was a picture from from inside the compound, not outside the compound. Um and it was it was used by her to get people to agree to support a war in Kosovo for one reason and one reason only. She didn't give two craps about the Muslims that were being uh, persecuted by Slobodan Milosevic. She didn't care one bit about that. The only thing she wanted to do was get her husband's name out of the headlines. He was being impeached, and that war was fought for 90 days for one reason and one reason only, and that was to win the press, to get Bill Clinton's name out of the press. Yeah. Yeah, you brought up and, some uh, old memories there for me. By the way, it was kind of interesting. After 90 days of pounding the holy shit out of Slobodan Milosevic's army, he had a parade. He put on a parade and he marched his military down the streets unscathed and he laughed at the United States. In fact, he bragged about shooting a stealth 117 uh, fighter bomber out of the air. And, of course, he was arrested by the Hague and they murdered him in prison. They never convicted him. I watched his defense. He put on his own defense at the Hague and he kicked their ass. He was awesome. He was amazing. He was intelligent. He was eloquent. He exposed everything that they were doing that was corrupt. He exposed the Muslim invasion. He exposed everything about it. And they killed him in prison. By the way, Brooks, I forgot to mention this, but there is someone in the chat room named The Evening Star. They wanted to know if you've ever been threatened. He says, it takes balls to shine a light on the money trail. I've never been threatened, but I but, am not, yeah. I'm not the kind of person that, uh, I'm not easy to follow. I'm really not. I'm, I'm behind a lot of, uh, uh, shields. I'm behind a lot of, uh, ISP blockers. I'm not easy to follow. I've never been threatened. I've never been approached. Uh, I've had a lot of weird stuff happen, but, uh, you know, I'm in, if I can speak the truth, if I can wake up two or three people every single week, eventually we're going to hit critical mass and we're going to make stuff happen. Understood. We had someone else here, but I think they might have left. Unless they're on the line. Oh, they probably left. Never mind. Well, we'll keep taking calls. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I think they did leave. But if anybody wants to call in, that number is 760-332-8724. One more time, 760-332-8724. Go ahead, Paul. 
Was it Star Mountain? I just saw Star Mountain yeah. flash on my screen. Mm-hmm, I believe, <laughs> yeah, she, she was calling in. Hey, so, um, so Brooks, um, what do you think about the Mises? Are you familiar with the Mises Institute, Austrian economics? Uh, no, I'm not. Not familiar. Nope, I don't know anything about Austrian economics. Austrian economics, like, uh, Ludwig von Mises and, uh, Murray Rothbard and the Austrian economists who are like all like free market and everything. No. Well, I can talk about free markets. I just don't know that particular institution. I was just curious. No, I think free markets are like a, like an awesome thing. So here's another thing I want to ask you. I saw that you have this book about, uh, remembering the future, the physics of the soul. Yes. What would you like to know about it? That's, Hold that's on. A, one, one, I, I wrote one, one, that book here. in 2007, but that, that book has con- continuously been a top seller. Well, one moment well, here. I'm it sorry looks, to it looks you... really interesting to me. I want to know. This is what I want to know. Are yeah, hold on, hold on there. Hold on there, Paul. Someone, someone has uh, called in here, and I believe they might have right. called in before. So let's let's go with them really quickly here. Caller, what's going on? Caller, what's up? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. What's going on? Oh, uh, this is Matt. I I was just listening to the program. Uh, I had a little something to add um, about uh, Bill Clinton. Oh, go ahead. Um, if if he was um, actually the, uh, it looks like he. He might be the uh, the son of Nelson Rockefeller. I, I looked. It looked. I did some things on. I'm friends with Brooke on online. Uh, last name uh, starts with an I, and um, uh, that was one thing. Another thing is that uh, in uh, let's see, uh, 1990s, uh, the Secret Service. Uh, there were some things that Bill Clinton. Uh, let me see. I'm looking. At, uh, if you if you look at uh, on Wikipedia and uh, look up Secret Service, United States Secret Service. In the 1990s, um, there was something called Operation Sun Devil they did, but uh, there were some changes that they made. The point is, they uh, looks like they um, they moved their location to uh, the, the field office to World Trade Center Building 6, and, of course, that was destroyed in, in 9-11. Uh, I, saw, I, I uh, was on Facebook the other day, and I, they, uh, they blocked me when I was writing that out. I was trying to get that as a... Uh, as a comment, and that's all. I, I saw it. I wanted to mention that about Bill Clinton uh, being mm-hmm. the uh, possible son of Nelson Rockefeller. Right. Well, actually, in the foreword of the book, Charm of Favor, I include some pretty in-depth research as to the birthright of Bill Clinton. And here's what I discovered: his mother was a rather promiscuous young woman in Arkansas, who was at the time, sleeping with several men, and she became pregnant out of wedlock in 1945. And uh, the parents of of Bill Clinton's mother did not know who the father was, although they suspected he was a gambler out of New Orleans. And three months after she became pregnant, a man returned from the war in Italy, 1945, a war hero. His name was William Jefferson Blythe. And uh, shortly after he returned, uh, within a few months of his return, I'd say five months or so, he was killed in a car wreck. Now, Bill Clinton's grandmother was a nurse at the hospital. And while William Jefferson Blythe lay in the morgue, 
they performed a posthumous wedding between William Jefferson Blythe and Bill Clinton's mother. Yes, and she was already three months pregnant. So, of course, six months later, she gives birth to Bill Clinton, whose name was, at the time, uh, oh, now his, now his real name has escaped me. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, Bill. Uh, anyway, the, the locals said, well, how come it, you know, she was, uh, he was born after six months. And they said, well, he was, he was born premature, but the midwives, issued a report, which I got a hold of, and Bill Clinton was actually eight pounds, five ounces, which is a full-term baby, not a premature baby. So at that point, uh, two years later, she marries Bill Clinton Sr. He adopts Bill Clinton and names him uh, Bill Clinton, uh, or William Jefferson Blythe Clinton. So that's where he got his name. That's where he got his name. And the reason that they gave him the name is because that name goes all the way back to the original founding colonies, to Thomas Jefferson. And this is the way that the syndicate has always operated. The syndicate has always required a genealogy. It goes all the way back to the days of Christ. You remember when the, the Pharisees would confront Christ and they would say, yeah, but our genealogy goes back to the days of, you know, Adam or goes back to the days of Abraham. And Jesus got mad at them one time and said, look, I can make of these rocks seed of Abraham. All those guys are dead. He was trying to say your genealogy has no power in the real world. But to the syndicate, it is all powerful. And that is what gave Bill Clinton his rite of passage and why they groomed him to be president of the United States. He knew when he was 17 years old that he was going to be president of the United States. This is the oath and the covenant that these evil souls make in order to gain their power. Caller, are you still there? Yes, I am. That is incredible. Uh, one more thing before I go. Yeah, go uh, on. The uh, the man that was in Dealey Plaza that everyone says is George Bush, I actually identified him. It's not really him. It's it's Ira Transom. I made a video on Facebook about it recently, not to say that he wasn't involved. Right. He was in, in Tyler, Texas at the time. But uh, there's a picture that I have that I found. Um, I shared that online, too, on Facebook. Uh, but it was uh, not, you know. It's a pot of oil. He was. I'm just saying it. it there, so there's a lot of people that are saying that was him. It was. It was not him outside the school book depository. It was Ira Transom. William Ira Transom was the guy's name. And the photographer that took the picture of that uh, was William Allen. So that's all I wanted to add in. Yeah. Great show. Yeah. Thank. Thank you so much for. Uh, oh, by, by the way, Bill Clinton's name. In Dallas, dude. No, I, I was in Dallas. I left there uh, about a month and a half ago. I finished the project I was working on down there with the electric truck, and I'm now back outside of Charlotte. By the way, Bill, Bill Clinton's birth name was Tyrell, not Bill. His birth name was Tyrell. Tyrell. And he was renamed William Jefferson Blythe Clinton. Who renamed about, him? What do you think about that caller? Bill Clinton's oh, grandmother renamed him. Amazing. Well, I do want to thank you so much, uh, caller, for dropping in here and hanging out. It is incredible that we still don't have all the facts from the whole JFK assassination. I know. And is JFK Jr. still alive? 
Ah, there you go. I don't think so. Yeah, I think he's gone. He's gone, caller. Yeah, the the, the uh, well, uh, John Hankey did a really good presentation on that. Uh, the the fuel selector valve was switched the off position, uh, cutting in, uh, cutting off uh, fuel to both engines, and it went into a nose dive. There might have been a pilot on board. There was a seat missing. The flight log was also missing, and so and Bill Clint, I'm sorry, George W. Bush missing on the campaign trail. He went missing that day. He was unavailable for for comment. And you can, if you Google uh, John Hankey, uh, JFK Jr. assassination, you should be able to find the video, and uh, it goes over all that. But that's the main points about that. He could be alive. I, I really doubt it. I think he's dead. They killed him because he had information on uh, who killed his father, and we all know the Bush family was probably involved in that. But Magog is dead now, so, or is he? Well, I mean, one, one of, nobody, nobody disputes the fact that his plane crashed. What they're disputing is that he wasn't on it. Neither he nor his wife, because they always took their dogs wherever they went. Wherever they went, they always took their dogs with them. They never flew without them. But that particular day, they checked the dogs into a kennel. And they're saying that neither JFK nor his wife were on that plane that day. That it was actually Donald Trump, best friends of Donald, or of JFK Jr. Because JFK Jr. knew he was going to be killed because Hillary Clinton wanted to run for the Senate seat. And she knew she could not win against him. So he knew he but was he going to be assassinated. So Donald Trump But agreed. he was not running. I don't think he was running though. He was going to run. He was going to run. I, I, and sorry, he, uh, he went to, he went to Donald Trump and said, I want you to save my life. And I think Donald Trump made a deal with him. And he had the money and the capability to keep JFK Jr. alive all this time. Incredible. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, we might see it happen. There's been some photographic proof he and his wife have been seen in disguise at Trump rallies three times. Caller, how do you yeah, feel about I've that? Yeah, I've seen pictures of that. Well, I've seen pictures of the, of that guy, uh, now the, the lady that looks like Carolyn Kennedy, that, that she really looks a lot like him, uh, like her. A lot. But, the other guy, uh, no, not so much. Uh, and uh, the, by the way, George W. Bush was missing for three days. Now, you watch that video that John Hankey produced. Just, just get on YouTube and type John Hankey, uh, JFK Jr. assassination, and uh, but it's in there. But he he was missing. He was unavailable for, for comment uh, uh, when whenever he was killed, and. It, uh, it took them 15 hours to locate the crash site, and there was a plane. There was a seat missing, the flight log was missing, and um, you know it took it took 15 hours. So, uh, and George Bush was missing. <laughs> so, I uh, will see. All right, caller. Pretty, pretty interesting stuff. Thanks for the call. Thank you. All right, mahalo. Great show. And there he goes. I should have asked him where he was from, but I think he revealed that. Right, Paul. I don't remember. Right, Paul. Didn't he say where he was from? Uh-oh, I think we might have lost Paul. Yeah, I think we did. Paul must have uh, left there. And I believe Star wanted to uh, get in here and ask you a question. Oh, there's someone else calling in. Yeah, I figured somebody was going to call in there. Let's bring this uh, person in here, Brooks. Uh, caller, you are live on the air. What's going on? Oh, hi, Michael. What's up, my friend? How are you? Oh, um, glad to... Uh hear that you're on again tonight, and I guess this is my uh, second time calling. I just want to say I find your conversation fascinating. 
Oh, right on. You and your guest. Yeah, thanks for, for, oh yeah, you called in before, that's true. Yeah, I was uh, pretty nervous. That was my first time calling into a radio show. Really? Well, don't be afraid. It's all good, man. Yeah, well, we'll treat you well, I promise. It's just us. It's okay. Did Did you have anything to add? Yeah. Go ahead. No, no. I'm I'm just wondering. Uh, you know, now that um, George Bush Senior died last night. I know. Future endeavored. Yeah, and I'm it's wondering uh, who's going to take care of who's going to take over his empire. <laughs> That's a great question, actually. <laughs> Brooks, who's taking over the plane there? Well, I think the uh, the new world order is being run out of Belgium now. Uh, Juncker, it's kind of interesting, you know, all these people, Merkel and May and Juncker, none of them have any kids. They're all, they're all childless. It must be something with the, with uh, the way, uh, the, the syndicate is set up. But, uh, I think it's being run out of Belgium, the control of the money, which by the way, you know, now with the Italian revolt and with the Greek revolt and with the Swiss unpinning their money earlier this year and then repinning it again, the Swiss franc, I think the euro is in real trouble. I think the whole European Union idea is in real trouble. And if it, honestly, if, if, if Hillary Clinton had won the election in 2016, we would not only have seen the end of European countries, but I think we would also have seen the end of states. We probably would have I been think, at war already, Brooks. Yeah, yeah, you, for sure. Do you guys know about the riots in France right now? The riots yeah. in Paris? I've been Over keeping the up. 18, what the fuck uh, is going on with that? Well, <laughs> right. it's an 18% fuel tax. And so everyone in France is required to carry a yellow vest in their car. It's just it's some kind of uh, thing you're just supposed to have in your car. So all the people have put on their yellow vests and they have decided to uh, have a tax revolt. They're revolting against Macron's 18% fuel tax. So what, and, what are they, uh, are they revolting against? They don't want to pay tax, but aren't, aren't they all very socialist there? They want to have taxes. I mean, they had to have taxes to pay for everyone to live off of the government, right? So what are they revolting against? Well, they are revolting against the tax because the reason the tax has to be raised is because of all the Muslims that they've brought into the country that refuse to work. They have oh, to no. be supported by the country. And so this is a de facto rejection of the takeover of France by Islam. A lot of people don't know this, but the last three years... 44%, 44% of France's regular army, not their National Guard, their regular army, has been deployed in the streets of France. And 67% of people that live in Paris do not feel safe on the streets of Paris. Yeah. That's what they're revolting against. No, I believe that 100%, but everyone that I know in America... Is like, oh, France is awesome and liberal, and everyone should just be like, like fucking cool and not be against Muslims or anything like that. Well, I don't know where you live, but I have a lot of friends here that revere France. They speak French, they own French restaurants, and they go to Paris from time to time to pick up new recipes and meet people. And they've been to Paris in the last three years, and all of them have told me they're never going back. They said <laughs> Paris is an absolute shithole, yeah. and they're not going back. 
No, I believe that. I was in Paris in like 2012, and then I was in um, Germany like prior to that. And I have friends who live in uh, in uh, Leipzig, East Germany, and they're like, "Hey, you can't live here anymore. You know, you can't you can't come visit here anymore. It's dangerous." I mean, when yeah. I went there to hang out, we like walked around on the streets and we had a good time. We went to the uh, Wave Gothic Treffen Festival and and like lots of good times. But he told me, man, you know what? I'm moving out of the city. You can't live here anymore. It's incredibly dangerous. Absolutely. I, I was in uh, in London in 2013. I left Egypt. I visited visit, visited there six times. I left three days before the Arab Spring. And I will tell you, it was already getting dangerous then. But I just had friends go back there this summer. They went to to Egypt during the summer. And they made it. They made it the two weeks. But they said, nuke the place. It's (laughs) it's not recoverable. Yeah. And I believe there's someone else joining us here in the conversation. Caller, what's going on? You're live on the air. Nothing much. This is Kaiser again. You guys are hitting oh, all um, the points. No, I did still. Uh, I just made a call right now today. Before I was just know, going gone. to add in Paris um, around the Stalingrad with the Metro. EU and Yonker. That's old Nazi money. Remember, his daddy, granddaddy, made the Yonker bombers, the Yonker sure. planes. Huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that's where the that's right. where the money comes from. The Ju 88s exactly. right? Exactly. In in the in the, the situation with Europe, this was done all the way back to Kalergi, the Kalergi plan. And uh I, I heard I heard earlier when you were talking about uh it wasn't uh a cabal or something like that. In a lot of ways it has been. You know, uh the globalists who control the coin, the coin of the realm, you know, you gotta you gotta remember that the prince of what is it? Um I'm a mind dumping. I hate it when I, I do that. Getting old does that to you. Um, he's the crown prince of, uh, uh, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna be wrong. Norway. I'm even mind dumping his name and it's not Norway. Anyways, it'll come to me. Um, Sweden. He, he was a member of the Nazi. Yeah, Sweden. No, no, it wouldn't be Sweden. He was a member of the, uh, of the Nazi party, um, back in the day. And that's, he, he never got tried. The only people that got tried was one of the corrupt boys. I think I can't remember if it was Willie or which one, but he actually got tried for producing weapons of war. There was a whole lot that happened out of that war, and there was a lot of money that when you have somebody able to cash a check in Argentina, it goes through Chase Manhattan Bank. This is all provable, folks, and gets approved by Deutsche Bank, and he uses his own name, Martin Borman, and it clears for $500 million. That's a couple billion today. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, you're talking about, you're talking about Martin Borman with, like, the fucking sex pistols? No. Martin Borman was the uh, banker. He's the one who paid Hitler because he was in charge of the Treasury. Remember, it's never the man in power that has the power. It's the man behind the man in power. Yeah. Well, who we, has we know power. that, you know, in, in, when World War I started and then there was a slight pause and then World War II kind of picked up where World War I left off, it was the right. industrialists. It was the bankers that made money off that war. They were selling and financing weapons on both sides. 
And that, yep. that's what made the billionaires. The first world war was, was a banker's war and was conducted yep. by and for people who, who owned steamships like we own a car. They bought right. whole city blocks out of the cash they had on hand in the back pocket because of, of the Great Depression. These are the people well, what, between World War One and World War Two made what would be the equivalent today of trillions of dollars. They could buy countries today. Right. My last federal agency was in, in 2004, the G8 summit on Sea Island, if you know where that is. Anyways, it's right next to Jekyll Island and St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to Jekyll Island, you'll actually see the people's places. And if you go on the tour because I had time when I was off duty to do stuff. Um, if you go on the tour, I actually bought the creature from Jekyll Island in the bookshop in Rockefeller's place. And Rockefeller used to come up river with his boat, his sailing vessel, and he would fire a cannon so his maids and everybody, all the housekeepers, would have everything ready by the time he got there. And there's a lot of lore in fact. It's kind of amazing, you know, there's something me and a brother of mine who comes on my show every once in a while, we talk about. And it's something called institutional memory. And it's something that cultural Marxism, by the taking down of uh, statues, by the doing away with speech, free speech, I want more speech, not less. By doing that, we are losing institutional memory, thus creating a society that's at each other's throats. No, I well, think you're totally right, dude. You're like onto something there, man. You're talking about institutional memory and you're talking about like you're like tapping into this thing about how like collectivism like destroys people, right? It's like a yep, fucking yep. sickness that's like taking over people. It's like an illness. It's like a disease. A mental disease is. is like taking over humanity right now. Like one. Right. One nation at a time. Well, it dehumanizes the individual. Uh, what you're doing, like you said, you, you create a collective. You, you create a, yeah. uh, an everybody body so that there is no individual in the body. And we, we, in, in our yeah. business, we call them NPCs, non-player characters. Yeah. <laughs> non-player characters. Yeah. They, they have this program that they run. No matter what you ask them, no matter what question, no matter where it goes, they have a program that they run. And if you, if you break the program, if you challenge the program, then they flip into, directly into name calling. They just call you a racist. Orange man bad, everyone is Hitler after that. Uh, hold on, hold on one second. Um, Star, are you there? Yes, sir, I am. Did you, hey, what's going on? Did you have uh, something to ask here to Brooks? I was just listening to the conversation, and I am enthralled. Good evening, Brooks. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. Hello, Paul. Hi. So. Uh, what I'm hearing <laughs> sounds so Star Trekky, like the Borg. Okay, the hive mind, I think, is what it sounds very much like. I don't mean to get all uh, sci-fi on you, but yes. That's exactly what it sounds like. Get everybody in the hive mind. We're all drones. Just do everything for the uh, deep state, the cabal, whatever you want to call it. 
Right. And I have but, another. I have another uh, item I want to uh, bring up after this, which is a little more practical. Okay. No, it is. It's the deep state. It's the fucking deep state. That's what it is. Well, you know, deep state is just is kind of a broad brush too. I, I call them yes. the age, the agency government. You know, inside our government are the permanent bureaucrats that have been there yep. for you know three or four presidents. A lot of them. I've well, met people in the. That. I've met people in the EPA that have been at the EPA for over forty years. That's a lot yep. of presidents. A lot of presidents. No, that's, that's uh, what it is. It's like we, most people like look at the government and they're like, oh, it's like people that we vote for, right? They think who the government is. It's people that we vote for. But the reality is there's this huge like population of people that are government employees, which means their paycheck comes from, from the, the federal. Country. You know what I'm saying? It comes from yeah. stolen money from taxation. From right? the people. And it's all these people. Oh, oh, a lot of these people have families. I don't think they actually realize they are taking from others. They are earning a paycheck to put food on the table and pay the rent or the house payment, whatever. I don't think they're looking pretty much, not all of them, but most of them. What Brooke was saying way early in the show was Trump wanted to run the country like a business. Yes, in that construct of a business to bring it back together, to give it stability, and not all the, um, oh, God, what's the word? Not all the crap about business as we think of it, but run it in the foundation and structure as a business to get us back together because that gives everyone a chance to put in what they give out, it's like the karma thing. Put in what you want to get out, and if and if you put your heart into it, what you put in, you get back tenfold, okay? And it works the same way when we all put in for ourselves by choice, not force. I'm not talking socialism. I'm talking republicanism, uh, whatever. Anyway, by Vol- voluntarism, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, voluntarism. So we are like, all Americans. We volunteer to be all Americans. We support each other, but we're not under a socialistic law to be forced to do so. And in that way, we well, actually do better as a republic. Correct me where I'm wrong. That's the that's that's the problem. Uh, Pete, you just said stuff about the deep state that's not necessarily correct. The deep state is nothing more than the SES, the Special Executive Service, okay? Right. Those are the people okay. that are the bureaucrats. Brooks yes. knows this being in the Pentagon. I've been in the Congress. I've, I've been around these people. They're well, arrogant. I agree with you. I, totally I know for a fact. what you said earlier. I, I know for a fact that uh, one of the guys Trump had in, Sebastian Gorka, went to a meeting. And uh he was like, okay, this is the president's policy. And the SES guys looked at him for that agency and goes, that's nice. He goes, what do you mean that's nice? This is now policy. Yeah, the president wants to do that, but we have a thing we've been doing for a long time, and we're not going to change that. And they're unfireable. They're unelected. 
That Wait, is the no, problem. No, no, the special executive. Oh, yes. No, they still can't be fired, but their salaries can be cut to $1 a year. That's the executive thought, order. I right. thought he did an executive order to where they can be released if they're not doing their job. There was, I know not, he. Not the a, SES. Oh, okay. Not I'm the sorry. Not the Guys, come on. If there's, if there's like laws, if there's rules about how you're going to fire these people, that it's not voluntary. Well, right. let me, let me get not back to what. Voluntary. Let me, let me see if I can put this back on, on the path. When I, when I, what I was talking about was power over the U.S. Treasury. This is the most <laughs> valuable right. thing on the planet. Exactly. So this is how the deep state works. Let's say we have agency or we have, we have, uh, uh, nonprofit company A and nonprofit company A is going to get $500 million from Congress, uh, to do its business. In order to get that $500 million, nonprofit company A, and I'm going to give you their name in a second, they have to turn around and write a check. They have to commit to writing a check for about 10% of that back to the Democrat Party. As it turns out, Company A receives $500 million every single year, and every single year they write a check for $56 million right back to the Democrat Party. Now, in in essence, that's taking tax money that comes from you and me. They're they're laundering it. They're laundering it through through company A and giving it back to the right. Democrat party. Zero, zero dollars and zero cents goes to any other party, just the Democrats. House, the Senate, boom. Only the House criminal. approves it. It's only criminal. the House. And only the House has the first drink. That's right. And companies A, and by the way, there's three or four full alphabets of companies, but yeah. company A is called Planned Parenthood. Uh-huh. And yep. that's why they don't want Planned Parenthood unfunded. It's just they're making a lot of money like making like carrying oh, out abortions on really. people. And no, and they literally you can and they literally get blood money. Look, here here's the easiest way I can tell you just one situation that I know of. This is fact, okay? Central Intelligence Agency. Everybody knows who that is, right? Sure. Oh, the clowns, yes. Everybody okay. on this, everybody, everybody on this phone line. Now, I've worked for a company, Scientific Applications Investors Corporation, SAIC, okay? Doing a program yeah, I know in Iraq. That. And that company, all you gotta do is spell it backwards and it's C-I-A-S, okay? So that company is hidden in plain sight, but what they do is they invent things. All that cool gu- cool guy gear that I used, that's fifteen thousand for a tool or whatever. All that cool guy gear is made by SAIC. Period. Now, the friendly face of the CIA is USAID. With the migrants that are coming up, you know, and they call themselves an NGO, by the way, but they are actually funded by the government. Mm-hmm. USAID, USAID, has spent over two million dollars to feed and water. The invasion of our border. So you have governmental agencies and non-governmental agencies working against other governmental agencies, i.e. CBP with Immigration and Customs Enforcement, uh, your Customs and Border Protection Officers, and your Border Patrol. And if you think I'm lying, look to the ATF running guns to Mexico 
and Brian Terry, a border agent, getting shot by one of them with Gunwalker. It right. happens and we had all the Eric time. With Holder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. Eric with yeah. Holder. But yeah, Eric, evidence um, Eric Fest and, and Curious Holder. He's been very uh, right. quiet in the media lately, if you noticed that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, very silent. Shit's about really. to get real if for you, a lot of them. Any of you seen the latest uh, Twitter meme from President Trump with all the uh, people behind bars? Yeah. You're not going to see a mass arrest. I'm just going to tell you the reality no, no, of it. No, I know that. I know that. Yeah, but but you are going to start seeing uh, a few people taking perp walks. We've already seen Flynn came in with one purpose. You got to remember, he worked for DIA, and uh, he was the head of DIA, believe it or not. And a lot of people don't realize that. So that's Defense Intelligence Agency for people who don't know. He came in because he knew the pedophile ring. They've been ah. arresting pedophiles massively across the country. It never oh, yeah. makes the news. It never makes the news because the media is complicit. And so the media invented this pizza place. Now, a lot of the stuff, that's all FBI, you know, pizza, uh, spaghetti, pizza, whatever, all those little yeah. code words. Yeah. All those little code words are real. But all of a sudden they make this one pizza place. And you got to remember that idiot who went in there, he's probably, he was a Democrat, by the way. Oh, the guy uh, with the gun? He, yeah, the guy goes in and shoots name. up in the air. And then all of a sudden it's a big, a big problem and it goes away. They even quit talking. They, they daggone shut Alex Jones down on that by saying, you caused this. It's about. Hey, so what Google do you guys right think now. about that? What do you guys think about the fact that Alex Jones has been banned from YouTube and everything now? Is that, that They're right? doing it to everybody. I think that's overplayed. Um, I think. Oh, God. Well, I they, am not they, like, shut Alex down, they shut down, like, um, uh, Lauren Southern and all these people that are, like, fucking kicking them off completely. They can just, like, fucking un- unperson. They're unpersoning right all of these people. The time, the time, um, I mirrored it. I recorded it off of it and I mirrored it on my site. The only show that if you look at it, it has nothing. It's basically blanked out. People can still go to it off my page, but there's no other things to link to, nothing from my page, nothing. If you're on my page, you'll see it. I hope both of you post and post and give us on, on air your website links before you, before the show is over tonight. I want to contact both of you. Sure. Well, mine's easy. It's just sure. x, x squared radio.com. X squaredradio.com you can also reach it by going to my home site which is brooksagnew.com all my contact information my books my films everything is on there yeah, this is so important right now i mean even right even at this time this everything that is going on right now is historic right. but also is going to have everything to do as we are as a country and how we're going to be as a country within the next year, maybe within the next few months. Who knows? Yes. Well said. Well, Thank you for the call, by the way. And, uh, call Mine's her. very easy. Go ahead. Mine's very easy. My web or my, uh, YouTube channel, all lowercase common spelling sword point one word sword point with the numeral nine. It's my old call sign for my army and Marine Corps days and, it's a whole different issue how I'm a sword point, but whatever. Like I said, oh, yeah. there's a lot going on, and uh 
they are trying to Google's in cahoots, the D platform. Uh, anybody who's on the right, that's a fact. Uh, Google's office in Berlin now, besides them having the head of Google, is a former Stasi bitch. And uh, ah. the uh, she is. I swear to God, he's German. He's they're, German. They're moving, huh? East German. They're moving. Stasi. Yeah, East German oh. Stasi. Yeah, and 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 she's moving in. I did a video on all this stuff today, guys. Um, she's, they're moving in to the old Stasi building where Milke, Honecker, and all the boys used to go meet. Wow. So if you think, everybody thinks that the Nazis went away. Everybody thinks the communists went away. No, they just embedded into no, everything. They all, went to, they all went to East Germany, man. They all went to the East side, man. They all got picked up underneath Stalin, man. They all like, got really no, good jobs underneath, they, like, they fucking they, the Stalinist they regime. They got picked up by us, by the Soviet Union, by Argentina, Chile, and there's other places they're at. I, I, I know all about this stuff. Yes, and I do want so to thank you for um, calling in here, by the way. All right, I better gonna let, get let rolling you show I don't hijack your show. Bro. No, don't worry. The show's going to, well, this interview's going to end pretty soon here, but I do want to thank you for calling in here. No problem, brother. All right, Matt, take care. You guys have a great day. Great meeting you, Brooks. Thank Bye-bye. you. Thank you. Yes, and there he goes. Bro. Great call. And, of course, I don't want to take up too much of your time, Mr. Agnew. So we are left with just a few more other things before we wrap it up here tonight. And, of course, I did want to get your opinion on the latest with Jerome Corsi and Roger Stone. How do you feel about that situation that has unfolded in the media right before our very eyes? Well, these are the guys that are, are a couple of public figures. Uh, Jerome Corsi, of course, is, has been in the media eye for a number of years. He worked with Alex Jones. He's, he's, uh, I think, done a great job reporting, a great job writing. I mean, not my hat's off to him as, as much many books as he sold. Nice. Um, the fact that they're being railroaded by Mueller's uh, charade of a a legal proceeding, I think it's terroristic litigation myself. The same thing with Roger Stone, the same thing with the Papadopoulos and Manafort. It's all just terroristic litigation. It's all designed for one thing and one thing only, and that's to get Donald Trump out of office. Uh, I, I don't think Mueller should be there. I think his whole uh, legal force that he's put together is unconstitutional. I think Rosenstein should have been fired a long time ago. It is proof positive that the FBI and the DOJ has been corrupt for a long, long time. When we saw Loretta Lynch meet with Bill Clinton at the Sky Harbor uh, Air Airport in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, that was just a symptom of how corrupt the Department of Justice has become. The fact that they have been, uh, I'm going to just call it misstep and fetch for the Democrat Party. And, and that's what Mueller is right now. Mueller is just a mule for the Democrat Party. And he has assembled a group of partisan hacks, which are using their law licenses to attack Donald Trump and everyone who's close to him. I think on January 4th, you are going to see holy hell be unleashed on the Trump administration. Dozens and dozens of subpoenas will be filed against everybody that knows him. They will try to distance everyone from him by financially breaking them, by by uh, drawing them into perjury traps, 
having the FBI raid their houses for their FBI records, uh, arrest their wives, arrest their children, arrest their, their school teachers and their bankers and their lawyers. It is going to be an absolute bloodbath onslaught against the Trump administration. And they're going to try to, to beat him that way. That's the only way that they can try to beat him. Fortunately, Trump's been taking that pressure his whole life. He is not from the groomed stable of politicians. He is fighting them in a totally different way than they've ever had warfare made against them. And he has 70 million Americans behind him, including me. Right. Yeah. And I did want to ask you a few more conspiratorial questions. I did want to get your opinion now in terms of Osama bin Laden being killed in the time they say he was killed. Of course, the photographs of Obama and Hillary sitting inside that control room watching the raid. What are your thoughts and opinions on that, Brooks? I think Osama bin Laden has been dead for a long, long time. I think they just needed a way to keep the Middle East war going. They finally found that they needed a a graceful way to get out of it. So they staged a way to fake kill Osama bin Laden, even though he's been dead. And when the fake killers got back out alive, which they really didn't expect, they went ahead and killed him anyway. They put him in a helicopter. They flew him directly into a fire zone. They knew it was hot. They knew they had no way to protect that helicopter against anti-aircraft fire. And they killed SEAL Team 6. And the one guy that that uh, said that he's the guy that shot Osama bin Laden, they just attacked him and are stripping him of every military award he ever got, and he's going to end up spending the rest of his life in Leavenworth. I remember seeing old articles about Osama bin Laden being dead yesteryear. So when I saw this going on, I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. I remember hearing so much about him being dead. This is a man that suffered from kidney failure who lived in a cave. Believe me, he did not die in Pakistan uh, during the Obama administration. He died during the Bush administration. And they dumped him into the sea. That's what they claim. Yeah, that's very convenient, isn't it? Oh, yeah, we killed him. Nope, we don't have a body. I have Sorry. my doubts. Right? Yeah, I've had my yeah, doubts. Yeah, no, like, no fucking body, man. I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing about it. It's like, oh, now we dumped him off in the sea before anyone could verify it. It's ridiculous. You realize, like, maybe 20, 30 years from now, there's going to be information that is declassified, and everyone's going to find out what really happened. Oh, speaking of declassification, in the next few days, Trump is going to begin declassifying these things surrounding the phony FISA warrants that were used to wiretap him. Now mm. you're going to see some people go to jail. Yes, let's talk about a little bit of that before awesome. we get going here. But before I do, before I even forget, I did want to ask you on a side note here, your opinion on Ted Cruz. How, how did you feel about all those comments that was that were going on between uh, Donald Trump and Ted Cruz there? Nothing but politics. During the election, it was nothing but politics. But I know Ted Cruz. I've met him a couple times. I was down in Houston at the Trump rally uh, last month. It was an amazing experience, I got to tell you. Ted Cruz is one of the premier statesmen of our day. He's one of the best attorneys I've ever known. And the guy can make an argument for the Supreme Court like nobody's business. 
a politician, he is a little, uh, I call it spiral energy for me. He just wanted to win. And, uh, I think he would, you know, he was doing whatever it took to win and Trump was doing whatever it took to win. And right. I, I think harsh words were said going both ways. <laughs> they were, yeah. And that's just, that's just politics. Yeah. I remember no, Brooke, all that. Brooks, 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 you were in Houston last month and you didn't get a hold of me. I was I'm the hurt. first, I was the, and let me tell you something. I did my program from the sidewalk that night. I was there 24 hours ahead of time. I interviewed probably 45 people in the line uh, waiting to get in there. And when they reshuffled the line, I was the first person inside uh, the Toyota Center down there. I was the first person in there. And okay. I have, I've never felt so much love in one place in my life. And I, I Houston, was, yes, it was amazing. Houston is a wonderful city. It's a city I love. It's, it's a city where I come from. And the next time you're in Houston, you need to let me know about it, man. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Going back to uh, Ted Cruz here, I was going to say he kind of came across as a beta male a little bit there, if I recall correctly, when the president was uh, trashing him. Um, apparently he was playing his cards right though. Yeah. You know, Ted Cruz, uh, you know, he wanted to be president, but then he, I guess he lasted a little bit longer than he thought he was going to last in the primary. Uh, I think what happened is the FBI had been empowered by the FISA court and not many people know this, but I broke the story on my program. Donald Trump's campaign was not the only campaign that the Clintons had spies in. The Clintons had FBI spies in Cruz's campaign. You remember they started investigating Trump. They started, they had a spy working in his campaign as of January of 2016. January of 2016. Well, in January, we still had several primary candidates. Jeb Bush was still in, John Kasich was still in, and Ted Cruz was still in. All the way up until the beginning of May, we still had John Kasich, Donald Trump, and Ted Cruz in the campaign. Now, the general public doesn't know this, but the FBI had spies working inside all three campaigns, all three campaigns. Remember, Donald Trump did not win the nomination until May 26th. And at the beginning of May, months after the FISA thing was uh, secured by uh, the FBI, months, they had spies in all three Republican campaigns. That's terrible. Oh, it is. That's the real crime. That's what we can't seem to get Americans to understand. When you have one party, the Democrat Party that's able to hire the FBI to do opposition research and spy on political enemies in the other party. That is the breaking down of the republic itself. That is the crime that was done. Servers be hanged. Private emails, classified information sold to China for millions of dollars or to Saudi Arabia for millions of dollars. All that's secondary compared to the corruption of what was done in the 2016 election. Oh, yes. Lots of corruption. And speaking of which, there was one issue that I've always had with Donald J. Trump, and that's the fact that 
he has this sort of weird affiliation to Jeffrey Epstein, and so does Bill Clinton. What are your thoughts and opinion on that? You know, billionaires hang out together. Oh, yeah. Epstein no Epstein doubt. was a flamboyant guy. And one of the things Epstein had, a lot like Heidi Fleisch, he had one hell of a Rolodex. And there's one thing you could, uh, got to understand about Donald Trump. When he was citizen Donald Trump, he gave money to everyone. Right. He greased, he was a generous person and he greased the palms of a lot of people because he had to get a lot of, you know, building permits and he had to have favors done. He had to have, uh, per, uh, uh, things moved out of the way and acquisitions made and loans approved. And Epstein was one of these guys that hung out with everybody. He hung out with the Clintons. He hung out with, uh, movie stars. He hung out with rich people from all over the world. The guy had an island with, you know, 14-year-old supermodels on it. He was friends with everyone. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Trump was all in. He wasn't. Trump was a man that did not have many enemies in New York, except for people that tried to uh, get something for nothing. And if you've ever done any general contracting, believe me, I have a lot in common with uh, President Trump, not on that scale. But if you've ever hired a subcontractor to come and do work for you, and then they don't finish the job, or they do shoddy workmanship, or they use substandard uh, materials, you don't pay them. I've had subcontractors come on my job and walk off the job with the job unfinished. I have to hire other subcontractors to come in and finish their work. And then I've had them come back and say, hey, you didn't pay me. And I say, hey, you didn't finish the job. I had to hire somebody at twice the money to come in and fix your mess and make it right. Donald Trump does that on a much larger scale. My question is, did Bill or Donald know what was going on? That's the only thing I'm concerned about. Well, as you mean as far as... As the massages uh, that were going on, the whole pyramid scheme that Jeffrey no, Epstein was running. No, I, I don't think any of that. Remember, Epstein, the only reason he was busted at all was because he personally was a pedophile. Right. Now, it's one thing to have, you know, 14, 15, 18-year-old girls running around the island in skimpy bathing suits, you know, to make middle-aged men, you know, feel horny again. That's one thing. But to to actually have physical contact and sex with these girls, that's where the crime was committed. That is something that Epstein did on a regular basis, and that's why he was busted. That's why he went to jail. Yeah, he's a real creepy guy. Well, on, you know, on a Hollywood kind of way. I mean, look at, look at, uh, you know, Kevin Spacey, look at Harvey Weinstein. One. They yeah. were all that way. Well, all these starlets knew that there were five of them, 10 of them, 50 of them competing for the same script, the same break, the same, uh, you know, rubbing elbows with a billionaire or a millionaire or, or somebody that could write a script or give them a movie deal or a modeling deal. These girls knew what it took to get that opportunity. And they openly and freely of their own free will and choice gave it up. Now, after they got the Oscar, you know, then they can come back and say, hey, this guy took advantage of me. But there were a lot of girls that wouldn't do it and they didn't get the part. There were a lot of girls that would not do it and they didn't get the part. But does it make it right? It's not right. I'm not saying it is right. But when you're a movie producer like Harvey Weinstein and you've got a track record of 
of not only getting winning scripts, but he's also a, he's a winning evil, Oscars. He's an evil man. Yes, he was. Very but evil. look at the industry that made him evil. You get Ooh, 10 yes. or 12 women that are on a scale of 1 to 10. They're like a 72. And they're begging you to give them a chance at reading that script. It it goes beyond uh, a man like Harvey Weinstein's ability to resist. And it became part of the culture. And if you go back far enough, all the way back to the 30s and 40s, it's always been part of the Hollywood culture. Oh, well, of course, of course. Definitely men in higher positions take advantage of their position. We've seen that time and time again. Um, that's why there's a thing called nepotism, which I believe has ruined the country tenfold over. Well, I don't, I, don't about, I don't know about nepotism. I mean, if, if, if I could set my sons up in business... I would do it. Of course I would. No, as, that's as a problem. No, else. that's a problem. That's a problem with Islam, right? That's the problem with Islam is like everyone marries their cousin, right? I think that's an well, issue. Well, that's not nepotism. That's incest. Yeah, that's incest though, right? Well, that's kind of similar. No, nepotism is, uh, you know, I've been successful. So you're saying nepoti- nepotism is okay because it's not incest. I'm saying if you have a chance to give your kids a leg up, in society, you would do starting it. their own business or going to college. Right. You do it, of course. of course. Yeah, I understand that. Sure. But then there's times where people that have no sort of expertise get. <laughs> oh, you mean like uh, Chelsea Clinton? They, well, six hundred thousand dollars a year to work for NBC. Well, of course. Yeah, I get it. Yes, there's many Dude, examples of that. You know, you, you guys know Chelsea is going to be running for president like like ten I years from so. now, right? Oh, I no, hope so. It's going to happen. I hope she's so. going to fucking I, win. I hope so, and I hope I'm cognizant enough to watch it because I'm going to laugh my ass off. <laughs> I got to cry. You're going to cry. I'm crying all day. <laughs> it's going to be a, re- a real circus this next election. I don't think the next election will be. I think the Democrats are going to try to pull out all the stops for the next two years, and they're going to destroy themselves. When Donald Trump ran for president, he destroyed the Republican Party. Forty-five Republicans resigned rather than be part of it. The establishment Republicans, uh, McCain and Flake and uh, several others, they're gone. They're gone. And now what we're seeing is a new Republican Party, much, much more representative. We have the Tea Party. We have the Freedom Caucus. We have an alive, thinking, energized, and loving group of people that are trying to do great things for the Republic. Now what we need to see is the destruction of the Democrat Party. And I think it's coming, but for the wrong reasons. Because we're seeing complete idiots like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who did not win her election, by the way. That isn't what happened at all. Her opponent lost his election. He was a 10-term Democrat, a 10-term Democrat. And the Democrat Party in New York walked away from this man. They walked away from him and his corruption. And what that left behind was a little old bartender with 27,000 votes, and she won the election. She didn't win. He lost. No, that's freaky. That's really freaky about that uh, Cortez lady because she's like, she doesn't know anything, but everyone's just like, oh, this is so awesome. Yeah, fucking elect her. 
I mean, oh, what do you think about that? I, I, mean, I think that like these socialists, these socialists like this are just going to get elected left and fucking right. No, you know? that's left that's and right. Not, they're going to get elected. No, that's not true. I mean, the press is making it out to be that. But I can tell you right now, half the bartenders in New York could have got 27,000 votes in that district. They didn't elect her. She's not elected. She's the consolation prize. She's what you get. Yeah, but she's on, she's on the fucking media now. Absolutely. Everyone, all these fucking kids who are socialists, like 100%, every fucking kid that's coming out of college right now is a 100% socialist. Yes, they're they programmed are. to be that way. And they see her on TV and they're like, fuck yeah, we're winning. Yeah, they, re- they resonate with, yeah, they resonate no, with. No, they that. are. Right. They are. They're like 100%. We are winning, you know, and they love it. And it's like, they don't know anything about like, you know, um, you know, governance and, 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 you know, the smart ways to like take care of things and whatnot. Or, and we, or, or right, right, right. Money or, yeah, we need to end the Fed or how you like make a living or anything. But they're like, just like, yeah, they're just down with that like thing. And so they're, Full, fully on the side of that, and I mean that's the way it's going to go. I mean, who's going to stop it? Because this is what the Democrats want to do. They want to bring in like you know more illegals to vote for them. I mean, don't you think isn't that going back to what you said earlier about FDR? He brought in more people to vote for the Democratic Party, right? Yeah. And so that's what it's all about: bringing in more people to vote, and that's the problem with democracy. You know. Well, that's why we need the wall. First, first you build the wall. First you build the wall. And then, and only after you build the wall, do you have immigration reform. And you start getting rid of or taking care of or giving citizenship to whatever you want to do with the 45 million foreign citizens that are in this country. But you cannot do a thing until after the wall is built. Yeah. Yes, and by the way, Brooks, I do want to thank you very much for being a part of the program. Looking at the time here now, it's 10.30. It is time to wrap up the interview here with you, Brooks. It's always an interesting and fascinating conversation, and I do want you to leave us with a few words, and of course, go ahead and plug anything you'd like. The floor is yours. Well, listen, I really appreciate uh, being on the program, Michael, and I love your callers, and and the spirit of the conversation has been amazing. I I can't believe this much time has gone by. I can't either. It's incredible, (laughs) really. And, yeah, yeah, Brooks, um, I was going to tell you, you you can always disagree or agree with anything that is said here on the program. It's an open conversation. It's a call-in program. I think many people even forget that. So definitely, Brooks, you're always welcome back to return and talk to all of us here again. Well, I appreciate it. And listen, if you, and it's a great time to do this. It's, it's just the beginning of December. It's a great time to be thinking about gifts. And here's a gift for you. If you go to Amazon and you buy any of my books and they're available in paperback or Kindle, I will give you the audio version of any of those books for free. Nice. So if you're not a good reader, don't worry about it. I read it for you. And the audiobooks are really, really well produced. So if you, if you want to give the paperback to a friend, you will also be giving them the free audiobook. Just put in my name and Amazon. All the books come up. You can buy them as sets, trilogies. Amazon's really good about it. The prices are really good. They're delivered really quickly. And I'm going to be speaking, 
uh, March 19th and 20th at the Beyond the Matrix Expo in Sedona, Arizona. A couple of weeks later, I'll be in Vegas as the keynote speaker at the 5D Human Events Conference. If you forget that, all you have to do is go to my website at X Squared Radio, click on the Events tab on the left-hand side, the Events tab, and all the conferences I'm going to be speaking at are listed right there. Incredible. The book is Charm of Favor, a true story of the rise of the Clinton crime syndicate. Once again, thank you so much for being a part of the program, Mr. Agnew. We'll definitely touch base again in the very near future. My pleasure. Have an amazing Christmas, all of you. You too, my friend. Stay safe. I will. Mahalo. Mahalo. And there he goes, Mr. Brooks Agnew. That was incredible. I want to thank everyone out there for staying here with me through the whole interview. It was fun. And when I return, we'll wrap it up. And, of course, your phone calls are always welcome. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the program. So good to see all of you out there. And I believe our friend Paul is still on the line. Let's unmute him here. Paul, what's up, man? Yo, what's going on? Oh, nothing. Just drinking a beer. Sweet. I'm drinking Tullamore Dew. Oh, yes. I figured you were drinking by now. Right. I mean, how could I not be? Yeah, I mean, it's late. I figured, yeah, this guy already... You know, when I talked to you, I thought, yeah, this guy, chances are he's already been drinking. He's going to come in here pretty hot. It's going to make yeah, for right. good. Yeah, it's going to make for a good listen. And I was right. Coming in hot. Yeah, you came in <laughs> hot. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, 100%, dude, 100%. I always come in with you hot, man. That's uh, what we're talking about. Well, you got to. You got to. And, of course, one of the sad things that happened recently this week was the passing of former President George H.W. Bush. Dude. Oh, my God. He's he's gone. Yeah. Brooks, yeah, Brooks still... by the way, when I brought it up to Brooks, he, it's almost like he didn't even give a shit that he died. Right. It was pretty funny, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. No, so, Look at that. So, like, when you, when you talk about George H.W. Bush, the first thing I think about, it, and he brought this up, Brooks brought this up, he brought up the New World Order thing, right? And that is, like, so personal to me. Okay, so I remember being, like, I don't know, fucking, you know, tw- you know, I was, like, 19, 20 years old. I, uh, okay, so maybe I was 21, 22, something like that. But, like, fucking hanging out with people and, like, rocking out to uh the fucking ministry albums, right? Like, the ministry album. Because ministry put out this album, New World Order, right? NWO. That fucking album. But before that, it was like, mine is a terrible thing to taste or whatever. It was, uh, we all listened to ministry shit. And it was like, that was like changing the world at the time. And then when ministry came out with New World Order, it was like, oh my God, he was sampling George H.W. Bush. That's true. I mean, that album, you go back and get that album and he's sampling George H.W. Bush. And you need to understand that album represents a total fucking mindset of the time, the underground mindset of the time. That that represented like, oh my God, he's like making the statement that these people are like, you know, whatever that 
represents George H.W. Bush is representing this new world order um, that's like going on that we're rebelling against. And the ironic thing about that now is that no one gives a fuck about it anymore and that now ministry is touring nowadays and they're representing the left wing, right? They're totally representing this completely different like side of things. And it's like none of that shit like fucking even matters anymore. They're actually supporting the new world order, right? It That's appears the that fucking way. irony. Ministry, that fucking band, and I saw them like a year ago, like play here, and it's like they have these this pseudo Antifa shit oh, going the, on on stage. By the way, where are no, you? No, they again? do. Where 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 are you at, Paul? I always forget. Houston, Texas. Yeah, dude. Houston, Texas. There we go. Right, Houston, fucking Texas. Now I saw them. I saw Ministry play here like a year ago. And I got in free to the show because I'm like fucking friends with a guy who's like their um um uh fucking uh road guy. Um he's like their backstage road guy. He's a friend of mine. He's he lives in fucking um anti harmer, he lives in fucking uh he, he's from Finland. Uh-huh. And he was like their uh uh yeah, he's like one of the road text writers. So we got in we 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 saw the fucking show, man. And it's like they're like doing this like um total like like pseudo Antifa shit on stage and, but they're, they're being vague about it, right? And, you know, it's just so sad to see this happen, you know, that they're supporting the other side of it right now. And when is the world going to wake up? And this is what I kept thinking, like when we were like, um, you know, talking to Brooks Agnew. Andres earlier, right, to Brooks earlier right. today. It's like, when, when is the world going to wake up and see that it's all the same side? It's all the same side. Yeah, that's right? one thing we didn't get to cover, or at least I didn't get to mention it, uh, to Brooks, which goes with what you're saying that both sides, um, it, it's all, it's all BS, man. Yeah. It really is. It really is. Both sides, they, they all do business together still. That's just the way it goes. Right. Now they're all struggling for power. And that is what, like, you know, fucking, I mean, all this shit is really old. And I wanted to talk to Brooks about that, you know, because I saw some of the things in, 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 in some of his works where he's talking about, right. uh, you know, fucking Socrates and, and, and shit like that, like going way back, like Aristotle, right? And it's like, all this shit has been around forever. All these people said a long time ago, we figured out a long time ago, like whether you're going to like believe in a, um, authority, like central authority. Are you, are you going to believe, allow a central authority to have power over it or not? Right. I mean, there's only these two ways you believe in, like someone is like a power over you or individualism. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. Like individual. That's a dirty authority. word. That's a dirty word nowadays, too. No, it is. Individualism is a dirty word. They you don't get want in trouble you to be one. for it. Yeah, they don't want you to be an individual. Why, right. No, that's why I'm not on Facebook anymore. Oh, you're off. And I got chased. I, I got chased off of Facebook, man, for talking individualism. So because you were like, talking you know, and they got mad at you. Right. Oh, yeah, no. It happens. I didn't know they got. Happens. I didn't know they got angry at you there. And by the way, no. I, I got to tell you, man, um, when I first brought you on here, I didn't tell Brooks uh, anything about you. I, I just that was the first time I told him you were going to be on the program. And he I think he was like shocked that you were cursing. Before we were on, before we were on the air there. You have, you have to understand, he's like a, like ultra religious guy, you know? 
So I dropped because I dropped an f bomb. He got freaked out for for a moment there. Yeah, I think so. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying I think it took him by surprise. I think he was like, "Oh my god, did he just say that?" It was pretty funny though. Well, you know, it was unexpected. I mean, that's how it goes. I mean, if, oh, that's well, the reality of the situation. But yeah. I really liked him a lot, man. Me too. I, I really liked all these things that he was saying, man. I mean, it's like it's like all right on the same page. I mean, he sees the problem. The problem with what's going on is collectivism is 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 like taking over everything. And, you know, all you can do is like struggle against it or struggle to maintain your own self. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. It's we like, didn't even uh, really. I, everything he was talking about is like so badass. I really yeah. appreciate it. It was, it was a great conversation and we didn't really get to dive too deeply into the Clintons and uh, Bill and, and the Clinton Family Foundation. And all their domestic and foreign benefactors, you know how all that yeah. goes. We we didn't really get to talk yeah. about all these crazy things about that family, but yeah. it, it's a lot of things that I think some of the listeners probably are very well aware of. A lot of the listeners out there are very intelligent. Yeah, no, they are, man. I mean, there's like very intelligent like listeners like calling into this program, man. I mean, everything you. Everyone who like called into it was like really like fucking spot on. I mean, this whole like fucking show tonight was like very, um, very revealing, man. Very revealing. Absolutely. You know? Oh, yes. And then there's someone in the chat, uh, by the name of Joseph Correra. He's asking if he's being censored on the uh, video chat feed. Uh, that would be YouTube. Apparently there are things that you said in terms of rape. Uh, that I don't think are allowed in the chat box there. I'm not saying that. That's what uh, YouTube doesn't <laughs> permit, so don't get angry at me. I, I'm not the one messing with anything here. But, yes, I thought I needed to address that. No, YouTube is, like, YouTube is, like, very, like, um, very, like, controlling. Oh, it is. About things, I think, yeah. Is there a vaporizer no. you like to use? That's um what I'm being asked here, and no. I'm not really with vaporizers, to be honest with you. You see a lot of... Uh, what does that mean? I'm not exactly sure. There's vape pens and, you know, there's vaporizers to do all sorts of different things. But uh mostly out here, I see a lot of people walking around with, you know, a vape pen or whatever. And that's not really my deal. I'm not into that. Do you, do you I smoke? I don't know what that means. Are you a smoker, Paul? Um, so I used to smoke like years ago, like I smoked cigarettes, yeah. but I totally quit like about four years ago and I vaped, oh, I vaped for good. a long time, like vaping cigarettes and shit. I think that's what they meant unless they meant va uh, like a vaporizer for like pot. Is that a thing? Can you do that now? Well, of course. For, Where can yeah, I get one? For vaping cannabis. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, do they sell, do they sell them in Houston? Well, depends on the state law there where you're at. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure if it's. Okay, probably not. Yeah. But where, what, probably where, can't do that. Wait, there. where do you live? Where do you live? I'm in California. Uh, marijuana is legal here. Really? You can get vape pens there? Oh yeah. You, you marijuana vape you. pens? Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Oh yes. You can get all of that here. Shit. Yeah, Shit. I, I thought you knew that. No, I didn't know that. Oh, wow. No, the laws changed so goddamn fast. I need uh, to move to California. Yeah, you need to move to California. And I believe uh, James has returned 
for a, a message here. James, what's going on, my friend? What's happening, brothers? What's up, that, dude? That was an excellent show. Oh, do you like that? Oh, I did. It was very nice. That was a fun I show. I like, huh? That was a fun time. It was. Uh, the one gentleman, um, why am I mind dumping his name? He's, he's on it. He's, he's got a few things that, that's why I was like throwing things to him, but I, I also had to leave because I was like, I'm just, I just felt bad. It's like I was, do you have a, too much. do you have a fan on in your room there? Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, it, it is very loud here. I, yeah, turn that fan off, man. Yeah, you're killing my ear a little bit there. I'm sorry. Yeah, you can kill that fan. No worries, mate. Give me a sec. Yes, if you can, I would definitely appreciate that. Uh, another th- another thing that I definitely don't tell uh, some of the listeners out there, are my headphones, they are cranked up very loudly, and these are pretty sensitive. They pick up a lot of stuff out there. It's like I could hear everything going on in, in everyone's background. It's pretty um, intense. And, oh, there he is. I think he might be back. Here I am. Yeah, there yep. he is. I'm glad you're here. I was just going to do a rundown before we close shop, and I'm glad you are here to join me for that. I'm not exactly awesome. – oh, yes. I'm not exactly sure if either of you gentlemen have been keeping up with the latest on a Kid Rock. If you could believe it, he's actually in the headlines. For what? Well, I be- what do you do? Well, I believe he uh, came under fire for calling the views uh, Joy Behar a bitch while being interviewed on Fox and Friends. He was honest. Uh, I believe I even got audio of that. Cool. Yeah, you want me to want me to roll the audio here? Oh yeah. Let's roll the yeah. let's roll the tape. Let's roll the tape. Roll tape. Roll that tape, bitch. Uh, going in the I want to see it. Uh, you do roll it. Uh, roll it, man. Time. How's the president doing? I think the president's doing a great job um, with the, with his policies. I wish, you know, I heard you earlier in a bumper asking people, you know, what was their biggest concern. And mine would be uh, just, you know, the division in the country right now that it's so hard for people just to get past that we can disagree and still be cordial with one another. Um, you know, and just talk about things without going for each other's throats and protesting everything and God forbid you say something a little bit wrong, you're racist, homophobic, Islamophobic, this, that, and the other. People need to calm down, get a little less politically correct. And I would say, you know, you know, love everybody except, I'd say, screw that Joy Behar, bitch. Everybody. You really have Joy Behar. You cannot say that. I mean, lady. We apologize for that. I mean, lady. Um, listen, she's just got a different point of view than you're doing. Exactly. You know, hey, maybe we'll go on and I'll hash it out with her. We'll talk about it. But and exactly, aside from joking, which I was, is just uh, go out and, you know, hash it out with people and have your have your uh, thoughts and ideas. But be able to still go have a beer with somebody and just say, you know, hey, we all love this country. And, you know, let's have different ideas, but try to move forward and be more together and realize at the end of the day, we're all Americans. We are all Americans. See, this is the thing. We don't. We don't have to all be together. We all just have to recognize each other as individuals. That's the thing. We don't all have to be together all the time. We just all have to recognize each other as independent individuals. I'm still baffled. Each uh, other alone. I'm still baffled that uh, he's even on television, to be honest with you. What a terrible show, by the way, that uh, The View. And so is Fox and Friends. I have to be honest with you. That's another terrible show. And uh, goddamn, 
that Kid Rock, he uh, sure plagued the airwaves back in late 99, uh, early 2000s, along with uh, that Fred Durst. Good God. Yeah, no. Awful music. No, well, Kid, though, the thing is, he's had a genesis um, to where he is, you know, pro-gun, pro-Republican. He hung out with Hank Williams Jr. a little too much. He's not wrong, though, yeah. on some of the things and he's he just said. he's not wrong. Yeah, he's not Hank's wrong, good, though. though, man. His whole, like, family line is good, though. They yeah, can do no wrong. But Kid Rock actually had some good songs that duet with that female. Oh, how dare you. Uh, I like that song. How I mean, you know, dare you. I'm sorry. Were, were you a kid? Were you a kid rock fan back in the early 2000s? Here's what happened. Oh no! Let's hear. It, it wasn't. It wasn't the early 2000s. Oh this no! In the 90s, the <laughs> late 90s. Uh, uh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Everybody in my unit that I was working with, all these young dudes. I was. Remember, I was an old hand by that time. Right. And um, what, yeah. what, were you in Desert Storm? Were you a, yeah. a Desert Storm soldier? Yeah. yeah. yeah? Okay. How old are you, man? How old are you, dude? Paul's drunk, by the way. I'm I'm 50. I'm 52. I'm 52. Cool. I mean, I'm 50 also. I'll be drunk eventually. I'm born in 1968. (laughs) Yep. Amazing. That is. That's nice. So, um, anyways, what ended up happening is all these young dudes on my thing, they're playing – that Kid Rock and Eminem all the time, oh, right? Oh, boy, yes. And I'd be like, shut that shit off. Shut that shit off. Oh, no. And, and on the boom box, right? They converted the you. Box. Yeah, they converted you, right? No, no, it's not even that. And then you were wearing uh, the red pants, the red dickies, the hat. No, no, not at oh, all. Oh, no. You'll, you'll hear <laughs> it. Uh, all of a sudden, the final day, we were down at Fort Knox doing some stuff. All these guys... Went down to the PX and bought me every Eminem CD and Kid Rock's, I think it was two CDs at that time, maybe one. And, uh, I liked Kid Rock more than Eminem because he has, he had a couple, uh, good songs on, uh, I can't remember, Rebel Without a Cause or Devil Without a Cause. That's what it was called. And, uh, I was like, okay, but I'd still listen to Eminem now. I won't listen to because he got so fucking stupid political. He's another divider. So yeah, that's my two cents on it. I understand. Yeah. You were, you were slowly converted there for a while. Well, I, I listened to it, you know, nothing wrong with that. But yeah, every once in a while I'll go do a deep dive just on memories, but that's about it. Oh yes. Understood. I just recall. Hearing that music all the time back in the day, Fred Durst, Kid Rock, and my God, how can you forget the terrible uh, group Sugar Ray? Oh my God, yuck! Yeah, I don't remember them. I'd rather watch the two minutes of Amy Schumer's uh, Netflix special uh, than listen to that Sugar Ray. See, I always listen to talk radio and shit, so I only listen to shit that I would put in my CD player. Yeah. And dude, you always have your soul within you. Your right. soul always is the magnetic force that pulls everything back to you. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? Yeah, I do. I actually, you I know, it's understand. like, it's like music, music, all the, all the music is just like a fucking tappity, tappity. Like little direction thing that gets you back to your own immortal soul, right? right? And it's like you're, you're, you're. The reason I'm talking to you about this is because 
You're talking on this show right now, and you're a soldier, right? You, like, right. fucking went, you went into this, like, fucking shit. And bullshit, I'll turn this fucking bullshit off. But yeah. no, you went into this, like, fucking shit, man. And I know what you're talking about. All the music you hear at the time period, Kid Rock or Eminem and all that. Terrible all music. all the shit from my generation, too. And I never went into that. I wanted, I actually, like, was, like, minutes away from going into, like, fucking Desert Storm. When right. that shit happened in the 90s. Going into it from the uh Navy side of things. I was so close to doing it, and I didn't do it. But you know what? I mean, you just, like, all you're, this information comes to you. and You're, you're still just, a veteran. All of it. You know what? Yeah, no, exactly. That's what you I'm are. saying. You know, I don't so, care yeah. if somebody's a National Guardsman. They're still a veteran. There's so, a respect I give to every veteran. Mm-hmm. Uh Because that's – a veteran is somebody that at one time – wrote a check to the U.S. government that said, up to and including my ass, I will give for this country. Yeah. You know, we can debate whether it's righteous or not. Yeah. But at least, you know, a veteran did that. That's kind yeah. of... No, you go and fucking fight. Oh, I, I, I haven't just... Well, Mike knows all about me. I've, uh... Seen a few things in my life. He's definitely seen a few things. He's heard a few things. No doubt. Mm-hmm. He's been all over the place. It's kind of what I do. That's true. What? And I'm glad you're back, yeah. by the way. I'm glad everything went well uh, during your whole fiasco out there in the Middle East. Jesus Christ. Well, it, didn't, it didn't really go well. I came back with a lung infection. Oh, shit, really? So, yeah. What exactly happened? Well, um, there was... Starting from Kuwait, there was nonstop, I think we had maybe five or six clear days my entire time in the Near East this time, and it was nothing but sandstorms. And normally I'd be able to move from place to place, but I was stuck on Kandahar, and Kandahar, right in the middle of the base, has a big shit pool. And so the sand blows into the shit pool, dries out, flies around, down your lungs... And so that's what happens. Amazing. Yeah. But yes, I, I do want to thank you for being a part of the program, my friend. It is almost time to uh, wrap up here, but I do have a few other things I do want to ask you before I let you go. Cool. Yeah, I was. Curious. I have one thing I want to ask. Oh, you go ahead. You let me go. Yeah, go ahead, Ben. Uh, we're still supposed to do a show sometime on my channel. I'm so down. I, yes. I want to do that interview. Oh yeah. That's it. That was my only question. Oh, I'm down to do it. Cool. Believe me, I want to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Just uh, give me a, a date, and then I'll jump in. I believe in it. I think it sounds so fucking awesome. Look it. at Paul. Paul, how much did you drink tonight? Jesus Christ. I drink a lot. I drink a lot of uh, fucking whiskey. Oh, that's what it is. Telemore Dew. Paul, you're the a... The best fucking... You're a soldier. The best fucking Irish whiskey you ever, like, fucking drink. Hey Paul. Paul's a real love. Huh? Paul's a real writer, by the way. He's a getting drunk. Cool. That means he's a real writer, in my opinion. Well, he was right. Here's here's, just like fucking. What's up? Here's my thing, Paul. You'd probably like VRS, Veterans Radio Syndicate. They have something called the Bar, and uh, it's where a bunch of veterans, just you know, combat veterans, just get around together. I've been honored a few times. And just get shit faced 
as they're uh, doing the podcast. It's fucking hilarious. It's a good that time. That's fucking awesome. It is. <laughs> yeah, that's Dude, totally I love it, time. Matt. I, 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 I want to, <laughs> like, check that out. Oh, yeah. Veterans Radio Syndicate. Very nice. Very nice. But, yeah, go ahead and definitely give me a time and date, and I'll jump in there with you. Well, we'll we'll talk about that offline. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm gonna do it when you want to do it. So you're oh, gonna okay. be the one that has to give me time and date. I'm calling the shots. Okay. You are. Yeah. The the just like when I interviewed James Fetzer and other people. Nice. Okay. They tell me when they want to come on. All right. Cool. Well, I'm in. Awesome. That'd be great. Now, what were your questions for me, brother? Well, I was curious. I did want to get your opinion on exactly. Who should I bring on next here on the program? There's got to be someone in mind that you think would benefit greatly being here. The, the listeners, rather, not just me. Right. Um, I don't know. Um, I'd love to come on again, but, you know, I've been on so many times. That's probably, you know, a waste for most people. They wouldn't want to hear it. Um, but, um, I don't know. I have a friend. Uh, he's with Veterans Radio Syndicate, George Pardos, Georgios. He's a Greek, great guy, uh, former wrestler. He actually was in the Olympic. He, here's a little backstory on him. Uh, he was in the Olympics when Kurt Angle won, but he only won. Kurt Angle only won because Georgios went against this big Russian and got his one eyeball gouged out. Uh, long story behind that. And he stayed in the military, believe it or not. Uh, he just learned the eye chart, so when he covered his other eye, he would tell him what it read. Uh, real interesting character, went to OSU, wrestled with OSU, uh, the congressman that they were trying to say, Jim Jordan, uh, that they were trying to say, knew about this dude that was diddling wrestlers. Uh, oh my god. But the congressman didn't know about it. See, Good that's Lord. the thing. Yes. None of the wrestlers knew about that fucker. And some doctor, who was a medical doctor, but they tried to smear and besmirch Jim Jordan with that. And Georgios and the rest of the wrestling class from college stood up for him. So he'd be a real interesting guest. He's, he's written a book. Uh, you'd probably really enjoy it. Marine. I've known him since I was 14. So, you know, I'm down. He's a good man. Right yeah. on. All right. Well, I'll take that at four consideration here and try to get a hold of these people i can get a hold of him for you it's not yeah, a problem. i can give you his number too so. well let's yeah man i'll definitely do it yeah no problem brother all right man thanks for uh hanging out here hey i, I love hanging out with you guys you know that oh yes it's always this is my time. preferred dude uh, you're straight up right on man you're a badass like fucking warrior dude i like fight with you Anytime on the battlefield, man. I'm a regular guy, brother. There's nothing <laughs> special about me. I'm just a regular guy, honestly. Now we're going to fight together, man. Oh, yes. Yeah, we're going to change cool. the world. We're going to yeah, change well, the world. I've done it a few times, and I can tell you, sometimes changing the world comes back and bites you in the ass. So ah, No good deed goes unpunished. That's what we learned time and time again. But thank you so much for calling in. We'll do it again soon, my friend. All right, God bless. All right, take care. Well, and be safe. Mm -hmm. All right, fight on. And there he goes. And the fight did continue for a woman out there 
In Florida, a woman accused of pulling knife on man who confronted her when she passed gas. Now that's a story, Paul. No, that's quite extraordinary. Can you believe that? It really is. A Florida woman was arrested after she allegedly pulled a knife on a man who was offended by her breaking wind. How do you feel about about that, Paul? There was a woman by the name of Shanetta Wilson. I believe she was arrested for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. I believe she pulled a knife out on a man who was clearly offended when she allegedly passed gas while waiting in line. So what you're saying to me is that with the situation that we're at right now. Right. <laughs> the situation. With- can you imagine? I would, I probably would have, um, I don't know how I would have responded either. The situation we're at right now is that <laughs> yes. if, <laughs> it's, it's a really fucked up shit. It really but, is. It really is. And no. dude, I, I gotta be honest with you. I hate standing in line <laughs> with people. I'm not sure if you're like that, but people get really goddamn close to me in line and that shit drives me crazy. I feel like punching yeah. someone. Yeah, I, I literally feel like punching someone or throwing an elbow to their jaw. I get that angry. No, no, it's really, it's really fucking difficult. So, okay, oh, yes. first of all, no, it is like really disgusting. Right. Like people like get up close to you. Ooh, it's and, gross. Yes. And yeah, no, it is like really disgusting when people get up close to you. But at the same time, it's like, um, Everyone needs to go their own way and step back from each other. And we need to understand that we, like, fucking, you know, walk on with each other. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I hear you. I'm with you, my friend. Till the end, no doubt. And, of course, it's incredible. Here we are in 2018, almost 2019, and there are no flying cars. But one thing that... No, there are. No flying cars yet, but... One thing that we do see are the self-driving cars, mostly their prototypes, still in the beta stages. However, uh, I was looking at this article, and they were talking about how studies now suggest that there will be more people having sex in these uh, driverless cars. How do you feel about that? Are you going to be banging in the car? Do you think that's going to happen? I don't know. I mean, eventually I think people are going to be, you know, drinking while they're in a driverless car, I'm pretty sure we're going to see a lot of that. And, yeah, I, I can imagine there's going to be some banging going on on the road, no doubt. I think it's fine. I think it's awesome, man. I mean, like, God. I mean, that's what's going to happen is, like, that's the future. individuals. That's the future, will... man. That's the future. No, absolutely, dude. That is the future. The future is individuals will write their own They'll prosper. direction. Oh, and, yes. You know, I mean, I mean, I can't wait. I man. can't wait I either. Mean, that's how. I mean, come on. I'm excited. Look, this, this is, this is the reality right now, dude. When I go to a show, if I'm gonna go to a show and see a band play, I'm gonna like use uh Uber to take me there. Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what I do. That's what you, you do. Know? Yeah. That's how I get to shows now. You know. Oh, by the way, stars here. Star, did you have a I question? I love it. What's up, Star? You were saying, you were saying. Oh my god, Star's back. Oh my god, Star, I'm so glad you're back. What's up? Paul's drunk, by the way, if you didn't notice. Wait, what? I said Paul's very drunk tonight, if you haven't noticed. Uh, okay. I'm getting there though. I'm catching up to him. Eventually. (laughs) Yeah. You were 
were saying something about with the new uh, auto drive cars, people would have more sex or something. Yeah, like that's that. what. Yeah, that's what the studies but are the suggesting right now. Yeah. People have been having since. Well, people have been having sex in the cars since we were chauffeurs or uh, Stars. places to drive at night. Star, are you having sex in the car? What? Have you had sex in a car yet? Yet. <laughs> oh, yet. Oh. How long have you been having sex in a car, Star? I think that's the real question. Uh, I I think if memory serves me well, um, well, it's probably started there. But oh my God, I was just gonna ask you, did, did, is that where it all began for you? Were, were you that generation where you lost your virginity inside of a car? Oh no, no, I did not. Oh my, lose my virginity inside of a car. A lot of girls out there. Oh. That's that's where it starts. It was in a car. my own apartment. Okay. Oh shit. Car in a van. Todd goes. No. Not a car, not a van, in my own apartment. <laughs> oh no! In your own apartment? Huh? Wait, wait a minute. Don't. It was a long time ago, and it was with a high school sweetheart. Wait a minute! Okay? Wait a minute! How old were you? I don't remember. Star, I, how I, how goddamn dare you? Oh yes, I do remember. You remember? I just turned twenty-one the month before. You were twenty-one when was, you when you lost your virginity. Yes, I was a twenty-one-year-old virgin oh, on my twenty-first my birthday. Oh my God! I, that I that was a goal I meant to keep. Wow. And I kept it. And once I reached that goal, I went, woohoo, I'm done. 21. <laughs> but it was with my high school sweetheart. Paul, by the way, Paul, um, how old were you when you lost your virginity, Paul? Oh, that's an extreme question. Uh, Come on, Paul. Let's check an eye reveal. You got to know, it. Paul. That's a long pause. Maybe uh, 18. You were 18? Yeah. Oh, my. My, my, my. I believe I was okay, 16 my, years old. How old were you and where were you? I was 16 years old. And oh. who lived and where? In my parents' house. What, your babysitter? No. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, no, I didn't, I didn't even have a babysitter. <laughs> I was kidding. Oh, no, no. No, no, no. I've never once had a babysitter, actually, and that's, that's weird because I always heard of uh, my friends. They always had babysitters and all this other stuff, and I never had any of that junk. Okay, well, then who it was with is none of my business, unless you want to tell. Oh, no. Right, no. No, I, I definitely don't none want to None of my that. business. I definitely don't want to go into that. Okay, that's said. Yeah, but for sure, lots of, um, apparently lots of people will be having sex in these uh, driverless cars eventually. And uh, I know of a woman out there in Florida who I would probably love to do that with. But that's another uh, story. Oh, that's another story. Sure. Oh, Star picked up on that's that one quick. <laughs> I know who it is, and I'm not saying a word. My lips are sealed. Oh my! They're they're listening tonight, though. I don't care. I'm not saying. That's up to you. Well, leave it alone. I'm certainly doing that. They know who they are. Yes, she does. Oh yes, but of course, especially if you're gonna knock boots in a car. And she's a lucky lady. Oh my! Very lucky, but yes, definitely. Lots of people knock boots in cars and vans and all kinds of um, public locations. It's all very, uh, very tempting. Okay, well, vans and limos came so, right for so, self-driver cars, so that's kind of a moot point. What were you saying, Paul? So, Michael, yes, what sir. do you think? Do you have like a fucking actual um, perspective on what you think the end of the world is? What do I think the end of the world is? Yeah, I'm not quite sure how to answer that one in a precise. And decisive fashion that would 
satisfy your needs, my friend? And what, <laughs> in what context do you want me to explain this? Because there's different scenarios that have played out in my head, but in terms of just one, uh, primary directive in terms of the end times, I mean, it's, it's I, very difficult. To I'm asking you this, I'm asking you this, dude, because I know you talk to like my queen a lot. Sure. So what do you, what do you think is the final left hand path like? I mean, what, That's where hard, do you man. sit with all that? It's very where do you difficult. sit with all that? It's, Are it's you hard. like, where do you sit with that, dude? You've had like this dude on your show like a, a number of times now. Oh, so yes. are you left hand path or what? I don't you know. know. That's saying? the thing is I don't really like to box myself in, in anything, any sort of group or any affiliation. It's very hard for me to break from being an individual. Um, Douglas for, Adams. For instance, um, Paul. No, 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 that's the thing. You can't do that. You break from being an individual. What are you talking about? You're an individual out to yourself. Agreed. And that's why I have the philosophy of not belonging to any group, to any sort of extension. For instance, all these things I've read, all these texts, all these books of the occult, of sacred, holy scriptures, all, all these things. I truly felt all the answers, like you were saying, all come from within. They don't come from an outside yeah. source or yeah. any sort of um, influence, especially someone like myself. Those who know me personally know very well how, how, how hard-headed I actually am on a lot of things, and I really try not to get too involved. I'm someone who's one foot in, one foot out. In many ways, my friend. Shake it all about. <laughs> I think that I don't believe that. That is not true. You're a complete individualist. I am. By definition, yes. That's kind of why, you know, I don't really like to call myself an agnostic atheist. You know, I don't really like to box myself in with anything as well. And even in your book, we didn't even get a chance to discuss your book, my friend. But in yeah, one of the chapters, yeah. I was reading it and... You know, it comes down to an individual who is seeking out for answers because sometimes in their life they feel they have no deeper meaning and they're seeking yeah. out for what's the purpose of life? Why am I here? Why do I feel this way? Why this or why that? And I even tried asking Michael Aquino if he was one of those individuals who seeked out for that sort of thing because they felt in their prospective minds that they didn't belong. That they didn't get an approval not, somewhere. But he didn't answer that. He he's, didn't answer whatsoever. He's not going to say that to you ever. I know he won't. And I was surprised because I thought he'd be very honest no. with me asking that question. If he is that individual. He's not going to do that to you. I know he's, he's not. He's not going to say that to I, you. It was completely ever. rhetorical. I knew he wouldn't answer me. But that's. I was trying to get that out what? of him. I just knew it wouldn't happen. No, what you just have to realize, dude, is like it's really amazing that he's spent this much time talking to you. Oh, yeah. well, he really, he, he loves being on the show. No, no, he does. He completely loves being on the show. He like fucking loves you, man. Yeah, I really, I really do I, like Michael Aquino very much. He, he's a great guy, very smart, probably the smartest guy I've ever spoken to in my entire life. Yeah. Oh, yes. And by the way, Vanessa is here. Vanessa, what's going on? How are you? Hello. Hi. Vanessa, Vanessa how are you? We missed you. 
Aw, hi, Star. Hi, Vanessa. I love you. I love you, too. By the way, <laughs> Vanessa, I'm glad you're here because I did read a story of a Shanetta Wilson who, mm-hmm. did you see that? She passed gas. Uh, Yes, and she got very mad about the, it. The, the crazy bitch pulled a knife out. I mean, maybe she has a problem, but it was at a dollar store. She was at a dollar store and the bitch went crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wait, yeah. you know, Some Florida. She pulled a knife on her and she passed gas. Maybe no, she, she was mm-hmm. protecting herself. No, she actually is the one that passed yeah, gas, the and guy, then someone right. got upset, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, okay. I mean, I'd get offended, too. Like I said on the program, I hate standing in line, and, I mean, for sure, if I had someone, uh, you know, pass gas, I'd lose it. Look, I go out at night only, just so I don't have to deal with people. <laughs> Smart. I, I understand everything. Yeah, I you learn a bit. everything. Doesn't he sound like Phoenix right now? Yeah, he's slurring. You okay? It's you know he's fucking good. hardcore. Nah, he's a soldier. I understand everything. Nah, he's still with us. He's still with us. He's Irish. He can handle it. Oh, nice. No, I, Irish. I am Irish and a little bit Scottish. That it's means fucking hardcore. That means he's hardcore. That means he's a double threat. Well, I wouldn't drink with him. He'd make me just die right away. Alcohol. Really? Poison. I have. I have a really low tolerance. I no, get drunk me right too. away. Me too. What me. happens is this. I'm alive again. Oh, the second win. Yeah. It's Powerful. Back. I love that. Alive. Moment to moment. All right. Well, I'm glad I got all of you here now. We could further discuss this next story, which I did okay. want to get all your opinions on, which, of course, happens with this uh, Japanese man. Paul hmm. is reincarcerated. <laughs> yeah, he's he's back in the game. But I did want to mention there's there's a, a Japanese man out there who married a hologram. I'm not sure if you saw that, Vanessa, but isn't that kind of sad that you have people actually marrying a hologram? And uh, I saw it. I think it's disgusting. Did you see that? It's Holy pathetic. shit! I mean, there's people marrying trees and stuff. Wow, that's that's outrageous. And first of all, the marriage rate out there and birth rate in Japan is like at an all time low. Lots of men Wait, don't even want to get married. Is the hologram there. hot? Should I look it up? It's a the hologram. What's the name of that hologram? I, f- I forgot exactly what it was. Akiyoko Kondo or something like that. Okay. It's like a virtual singer. Oh, okay. That's pretty weird. <laughs> Apparently, this this hologram actually like sells out concerts and shit. Man, they're so weird over there. Can you? I I just I'm always baffled by the Japanese culture when it comes to. Uh, sex, especially, they come up with like the craziest things all the time. Yeah, they have places where people will nap with you. That's another and, thing. Like, yeah, you could go and like someone will lay next to you and just sleep with you. It's really weird. I think they might even have that here in America. They have like this really? uh, cuddling service. Oh no, I don't like touching people. That's creepy. <laughs> it really is. No, no, I have someone who sleeps like to me. But you're married. My fucking wife. Yeah, but you're married. Yeah. Oh, I'm like sorry. If it's a hologram, <laughs> would that be adultery or not? So every, everyone everyone else on this call is like not married to anyone. You have no idea what that is like. Like that must be but depressing. I'm saying if if you have extramarital sex with a hologram, is that actually adultery or not? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, is think that, about it for mm, a minute. Well, I mean, a woman naturally she's gonna get jealous if you. Yes, but legally. But legally, that but legally, that's another. Legally, is yeah. that adultery or not? 
Probably well, not. Is, is is adultery legal? Is isn't it just like immoral? <laughs> well, yeah, it is, but it's just not practiced uh, law that much anymore, unless somebody has a lot of money to gain. Yeah. Um. But but legally, is having sex with a hologram actually adultery? Probably I mean, not. I wouldn't consider it, but that's pretty weird. I wouldn't want to be with somebody that yeah, wants that's gonna, to marry a hologram anyways. That's <laughs> going to cause an issue. I mean, for sure. Yeah, they'd be doing me a favor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you have to come home every night and talk to someone who's going to tell you about the flat earth every day for six oh, times no. out of the week. So, I mean, of course, you're going to get tired of that person, right? Exactly. Oh, I, no shit. No flat earth. <laughs> I mean, again, going back to uh, this unfortunate gentleman I could just imagine saying, uh, talking to your your mom and dad, saying, "Hey, I married a hologram. How's it going?" I would disown that person. Holy shit! That's probably yeah, what happened to them. I right? would just have to say, "You're my kid. I love you. You might be weird, but I love you just the same. You're my Aww, kid." sorry, you're so nice. I would tell the kid never to come back again. <laughs> That's probably the best answer. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, yeah. And the the Me Too movement continues on and very strong. Another individual was caught in the crosshairs. That of course comes by um the way of Tyson DeGrasse Tyson. He's the next victim here. Apparently he made inappropriate sexual advances towards uh, two oh, women now. He's, he's a famous astronomer on uh, one of the mainstream media channel thingies. Discovery. Yeah, the, fl- like the flat earthers are really happy about that. I mean, people are very happy and excited, I'm sure, and it's a yeah. very unfortunate situation. I don't know exactly if he did this or not, but it's... Tyson a- is, is a flat earther? No. No. That's not what we're talking well, about. flat earthers hate him. Right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, he's got some heat with him, but um, hmm, when I think about this, it, it makes me wonder, really, because I would assume he is a bit socially awkward with women in privacy. Because think about it, he is socially awkward. You would have I to imagine guess. that. I don't know him personally. I think he is. I, I'm just well. <laughs> I'm making this assumption. He probably isn't, but just given the fact that I've seen him so many times, I, I could just make that assumption that I don't. I, I think he's probably a little awkward. Yeah, he doesn't look very smooth. He no, he <laughs> doesn't. No, he looks like a goofball. Yeah. Worry of assumptions. Just be wary of assumptions. I'm I'm good at reading but, character and he looks like he looks like a cornball to me. Yeah. But I mean <laughs> I don't know. I mean I mean it feels like everybody gets like assaulted nowadays. I know everyone so I gets know. hit with something, right? Yeah, I mean can you imagine? Well we, we do have to wait till the dust settles, of course, and then we'll find out. But a number yeah. it is telling though, a number of these um, professors they, they all seem to get popped. Um, especially, it's almost like the norm, especially with all the uh, female teachers that get popped for sleeping with both male and female students nowadays. Wow. Both? <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, there's many stories now of, of women sleeping with other uh, female students. Look yeah, it up. I, really, I know, but I remember, like, when I was in school, like... That never happened. It never did happen. Well, at least I didn't know about that. But I didn't have hot teachers, though. I didn't have hot teachers either. <laughs> they were just terrible looking. Mm, yeah. But that does seem Not to be at all. right, and and that does seem to be a bit of a problem here in America today. There are multiple teachers sleeping with students, and a lot of them are women. Yeah, yeah, I totally believe that. Didn't have that women shit. Kind of crazy. Didn't have that shit growing up. I still recall my seventh grade art teacher. She was a <laughs> drunk. And she would be asleep in class all the time. 
Art teacher? Art teacher, and I always hated every single art teacher I've ever had. And really? definitely would not bang her. She was ugly and just an alcoholic. And she just Yeah, stunk. not even not even a little bit? No, I wouldn't even put a finger in there. Oh god. No. Yeah, it was just terrible. You went there. I know. That was well, that's the alcohol. <laughs> but yes, um Where's Paul? No, Paul's in here. He's probably drinking. Yeah. Paul, man, did you pass out? Oh, no, no, Paul's dude, in the game. What's up? He's here. No, <laughs> He's here. I'm down. Down. We love you, Paul. <laughs> what happened to Phoenix? Phoenix was in here in the chat room, but then he left. I, I think he probably oh, okay. had to go to sleep. It is late for him as well, as it is for everyone out there in the East Coast. And, of course, we are coming to a close here on the program. Star, any final words before I let you go? Uh, keep up the great work, Mike. You're going so well. I really am glad. Amazing. Well, thank you for being here and hanging out. Hopefully you don't end up like a Roger Stone or a Jerome Corsi behind bars. Oh, gee, thanks. That's I a, don't think so. Well, that's a joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was uh, making the joke that uh, I'm looking very forward to Jerome Corsi deciphering the latest Q drops behind bars. Or a bar. <laughs> no. Or kidding. a buffet. But yes. <laughs> okay, Jerome Corsi. my friend. Good night. <laughs> Love him. Love you too, Star. <laughs> Bye, Star. <laughs> Bye, Vanessa. I love you. Take care, Love Star. you. <laughs> Incredible. Paul, what's going on? Are, are you there? Are you alive? Are you kicking? Dude, I am alive and kicking. I believe it 100%. Fucking A. What an amazing show. What an amazing show you've done tonight, dude. It was fun, right? Badass. Did you like will that? you remember it tomorrow? Paul will. He's Absolutely. a soldier. He'll remember. Yeah. What? 100% I remember every fucking moment of it. It's like a fucking badass show. Rock and roll, very good, man. Like, absolutely awesome. I love hearing that. And I do want to thank you so much for being a part of the program here, Paul, and taking on special duty of special co-host here. I appreciate that, man. Anytime, man. Anytime you ask, I'm here for you, man. Wonderful, man. Uh, it's a great show, man. I very much enjoy like talking tonight, and let's like do it again sometime. We'll do it again, Paul. No doubt. Um, go ahead and plug anything you'd like before we let you go. Uh, uh I don't know. What are you talking about? Yeah, no, like fucking check <laughs> out my show at fucking uh, Davidosophy.com. There you go. Where we. Yeah, demonosophy.com where we discuss, uh, uh, issues and there we will meet and, and decide what's going on. The That's existence right. of humanity. Demonosophy, the third edition, great book. Paul is the man. Paul Frederick, ladies and gentlemen, give him a round of applause. He did a great job here tonight and we'll do it again in the near future, my friend. Talk All right, buddy. Take All it right. easy. Later. Mahalo. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Frederick, a great man, a great author. Did a damn good job here tonight. I was very proud of him. Vanessa, what's going on? And then there were two. Um. Right. Yeah. Nothing. I was actually called in just to say hi. Oh, that's <laughs> very sweet of you. I'm glad you called yeah. in. There were so many things going on, but we definitely are running out of time. <laughs> However, I did want to get your opinion really quickly before I wrap up here. Um okay. in, in terms of Kid Rock, 
Were, were you nostalgic when you heard him back in the headlines as much as I was? Well, to be honest, you know I like all that music from, you know, just, back in the day. I really like that me. song. Just kill me You're now. You're a cowboy. That one? I like that oh song. Oh, my <laughs> God. You like that. I mean, come on. Oh, you know, I'm from terrible. that time, from that era. You're from that era. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's... The bad music era. Oh, God. Yeah. Lord. That Hanson era. That Hanson era. Oh, man. I do appreciate yeah. them, though. They did provide plenty of hysterity early on. Mm-hmm. So can't hate them too much. Can't hate them too much. And <laughs> by the way, were were you drinking earlier tonight? I was, actually, yes. I started drinking a little bit late in the game, of course, not to the level of a Paul, though. No, he was, he was slurring. I'll like- get there eventually, though. I mean, the last time I got to that level was a while back, if you recall. Mm. I was getting close there. Yeah? Slurring? Mm, slightly, yeah. I was told I was slurring. Yeah? Mm. Do thought... people take advantage of you when no. you're drunk? No. I'm glad no one what did, actually. Guys, Jesus. Are you guys drinking? I mean, I, I was drinking earlier. Paul, is that you again? Yeah. <laughs> Look How did at you. you do that? Paul, you came out of nowhere. <laughs> I thought you were gone. He hacked into Skype. I know. He just came in here. And Paul... <laughs> Don't worry, Paul. I'm about to close shop here. And Vanessa, I do want to thank you greatly for calling in and hanging out a little bit here. No problem. Anytime. Yes. Thank you so much, Vanessa. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye bye. Paul, what's going on? You called back. Did you miss me, Paul? No, I'm not trying to like fucking call back on you, dude. It's okay. What happened, Paul? Let's get out of here. No, sorry. It's okay. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to call you. (laughs) It's okay. It's good. It's good to so, see you though, Paul, on video there. Yeah. Do you see me? Yeah, I see you. You're you're looking like a handsome man with your glasses there. You got your red shirt. You're, you're a good-looking man there, Paul. A handsome devil there. Very bad. <sighs> oh, Paul. You're a good man, Paul. No, you're a groovy dude, man. I Fuck. love you, buddy. Good times. Fuck man. yeah! I had a great Fuck time with you, Paul. Yeah. Hell yeah, buddy. Really wonderful, man. Fuck. Oh yes. That's a great shirt, by the way. Got the little devil there. He's like waving something around, folks. You, you, uh, you folks at home can't see, but great shirt. I like that. You got like a demon coming out of the shirt there. Look at that. Wow. Oh, the hair. What is that? Some woman. Look at that. Holy shit. Now that's a shirt. That's a no, t- it's quite extraordinary. I like it. Look at that. Wow. That actually would look good on on a poster. You got the the woman there. You got the 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 boobs hanging out. You got the devil there. I like that. That's pretty good. Very nice. Very nice. Paul, well, once again, Paul, love you to death. We're going to close up shop here, Paul. Rock on, Paul. Love you. All right, Paul. Take care. My goodness. Love him very much. Don't forget, if you missed last week's show, it is up on YouTube or go to MichaelDeacon.com. I also want to thank DeprogrammedRadio.com. As well as everyone out there on bellgab.com, great folks out there. And of course, all your donations are appreciated greatly. You can go to michaeldeacon.com and on the right-hand side of the page, click donate. Any amount is fantastic. Also, I appreciate all those outside of America, those in Germany, those in the UK, and those in Canada. Lots of listeners out there. Lots of them sending me messages all the time. Those emails, I always forget. Eventually, I'll get to your emails, and I'll read them here. And if you are listening to this on a replay, keep in mind, 
You can always go back on the TuneIn Radio app and search End of Days, and you'll find the 24-7 network. I hope you enjoy tonight's program. As much as I did, it was fun. I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you all so much for joining me here tonight on this great journey. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. It's appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Hogan right now. It's crazy. I had no idea this shit existed before coming from the Successfully, at least.